0: plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, I'll be very clear.
1: Will you, Denise?
0: (laughs) You were so kind to me. And I was like, oh my God, she's so sweet. She's so lovely. And then... When I
1: came to do my, sorry, guys, I have such a bad cold. Well, I'm high, but I don't know where she is, but she's on another level. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. That was a clip from this week's episode of The Real Houses of Beverly Hills, and we are going to get into it all because everything that Denise was serving at that weed dinner, I was eating right up because it was the best TV I've seen in years and years and years. Denise Fucking Richards showing up at that weed dinner party and she wasn't on weed. And I don't think it seemed like alcohol to me. I don't know what it was allegedly, but something was going on there. And then when she was uh, saying, let me be very, let me, she was slurring, let me be very clear. And then it was like, you weren't clear at all, Denise. Like why? No one knew what she was talking about. And then she had the, the sort of smoker's raspy voice. And as it was coming out, she could tell that she needed to explain why she had the smoker's rasp and she was slurring the speech and everything. And so she was searching for the words and she's like, I'm sorry. I have the worst. I have, I have a cold. I think I have a cold. <laughs> Ah, You guys, it was all so good. And then later in the episode, truly, one of my favorite things that's ever happened on this show, or any show on television, or in otherwise, I don't know where else television shows could appear. But more so than anything I've ever seen in the history of all time, was when Denise put on that jacket upside down, and she was leaving Kyle's weed dinner, and she was trying to stumble out of that weed dinner uh, with her head held high, and then Dorit, bless her soul, went up to her. And I've never seen Dorit nicer. I've never seen Dorit nicer in an interaction. She went right up to Denise fucking Richards and said, Denise, my love, I think your jacket's upside down, you know, in the Dorit accident or whatever she was doing. And then Denise, like, don't do this, Dorit. Don't do it. Don't do this. I know what you're doing. Don't do it. And Dorit's like, what do you mean, my love? Your jacket's upside down. Don't do it, Dorit. Do not do this. Don't. Don't. <laughs> Ah, you guys, everything Denise Richards was giving us this episode. And by the way, there were a lot of people in this episode who weren't given anything. I mean, one time they cut to Cynthia Bailey from The Real Housewives of Atlanta, and I was like, what is she doing here? Didn't say two words. And then same with Camille Donatachi. Camille Donatachi Grammar was sitting at that table, and normally we can rely on Camille to give us something. She was staring, blank faced, didn't give us not one soundbite. At least Faye chimed in every once in a while with something. But I'm like, Camille, you need to step it up, because I've always rooted for Camille to come back on the show. And then I don't even know if – was she even mic'd. I don't know if she was miked, because she didn't – last week on the show, she did say something about Kelsey giving her cars every time he screwed up in the marriage. And this week, I was, like, waiting for uh, Camille to say something, and then she didn't say nothing. And so, like Christina Aguilera and that song she did with – what was the band name? Big Sled? I'm going to need her to say something next time she's on camera. Wasn't that a song? Say something. I'm giving up on you. Remember that ballad that Christina released? You know what I'm talking about. Um, okay, so I love this episode. We're going to dive into Beverly Hills. I know we haven't really dove into Beverly Hills that much this season because things are a lot going on. There's so many housewives going on. I was a lot. There's a lot happening. It's the holiday season. <laughs> We're doing the best we can here on Everything Iconic, but we are getting deep on Beverly Hills this week. And then after we get into Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City, then I do have an interview with Jillian Bell. She's a friend. She's been on the show before, and she's in a new movie called Candy Cane Lane with Eddie Murphy. And it's like a family film. It's very much like uh, Jumanji vibes. It's weird and weird and weird. But I think it's – my nieces and nephews loved it. And it's like a – I think a good – if you have kids. Um, and Jillian's just the best, funniest person. So uh, I'll play that interview after we do all the Bravo stuff. So um, let's see. The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. Now, we ended last week at Kyle's Weed Party. And I can't wrap my head around what Kyle's wearing. The hair. I don't know if it's – I think it's the hair. I think the hair is what throws me off. But this whole look from Kyle, I don't know that people are really – Diving deep enough into that because I know we're also distracted by the lesbian honky tonk woman and the tattoo and the Mauricio situation. And now this weed dinner that it's almost like we're just forgetting what's happening with Kyle's wardrobe right now. Because again, I'm no fashionista, but every time I see her, she looks like one of the Fanta girls or I, I don't know exactly what it is that Kyle looks like to me. Maybe it, it, there's a weird commercial for a product called hit clips. Do you remember this product called Hit Clips from the, I think, early 2000s? It was basically like you could buy a song, like a Britney Spears song, and you'd get like 30 seconds of it on this little toy machine. Anyway, there was a commercial for it. And in the commercial was sort of a futuristic look at, uh, I don't know, there was a woman who was supposed to look like she was from the future. And that's what I keep thinking of Kyle Richard. <laughs> that's what I keep thinking of every time Kyle's on screen. Now, I don't. I haven't seen this commercial in ages, and I should probably look it up. And she likely, it doesn't even look anything like the woman on the commercial. But that's what keeps popping into my head every time I see Kyle Richards: is that she's just going to pull out a hit clips and tell me to buy it, or it's just try to sell me some Fanta? Remember the Fanta commercials? Wanna Fanta? Don't you want? Is it Fanta? It's Fanta. Am I saying Fanta, Fanta, Fanta? I don't fucking care. Okay, so the Fanta, Fanta. Remember they used to play those at the movie theaters. I feel like Kyle in this outfit at the weed party could be in one of them Fanta commercials. Fanta, Fanta. I don't know. Fanta. <laughs> oh, goodness. I love it. Um, Okay, so then Kyle last week on the show was sitting at this dinner party and it seemed like Sutton wanted to bring something up. But then nobody was like spitting out what they were going to say. So then Kyle finally spit it out for Sutton. who was like, what do you want me to say? He's My husband's cheating on me. And I was just thinking what a poor cast that this woman is surrounded by. The fact that she had to like blurt out the thing instead of somebody else blurting it out. I was like shouting at the screen like other gals and you step it up because it felt like nobody wanted to say it. And we knew that we had to talk about it in this scene. And even Kyle Splits Richards knew she had to talk about it in the screen, in the scene. So the fact that she had to be the one to be like, what do you want me to say? He's cheating on me and this is whatever, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, the rest of you need to step it up. Cynthia Bailey, if you want to get back on one of these shows, I'm going to need you to shout it. Camille Donatachi Grammar, need you to shout it. Faye Resnick, do what you got to do, shout it. Sutton Garcelle, you guys are full-time housewives. Same with you, Dorit. And I mean, come on. Denise is at least doing something, giving us some entertainment. So I can't blame her for not bringing it up because Denise is giving us the most at this point. Anna Maria, I don't. We're just meeting you for the first time. I'm already finding you a little bit annoying, but you're asking all them questions like you're the fucking Riddler. Last week on the show, I felt like Anne Marie was like the Riddler. I just felt like what happened this week. She couldn't uh, say something to Kyle and say, "Well, what are they all talking about?" I don't know. I just felt like they all need to step it up a little bit. All need to step it up a little bit. And yeah, that Anne Marie. Anna Marie is that her name? I don't know. We're gonna get to know her, I guess. The things that I'm seeing about her, I do not care for so far. And so we'll have to watch what happens live. And stay tuned to BravoTV.com for more information. But for now, we'll see. Um, okay, so then Erica. It's interesting hearing Erica post-Tom say how she wants love now. I found that so fascinating. She's like, I've never been in love. I, she said she's never had like that big romance feeling. And I do want her to find love. And I'm loving her this season. She's never been more easy-breezy beautiful, Erica Jane. And there is something that's really dark-sided about that. Does anyone else feel that way? I know they're setting up that spinoff that she's got coming where she's going to be getting ready for the Vegas residency, and I will eat that up. I'll watch every episode. But in terms of this season of The Real Housewives is Beverly Hills, I'm like, they are all being so nice to Erica this season. She was the villain for two years, and now all of a sudden she's getting that good at it. She's getting that spinoff at it. We all know how that goes, but I'm loving it. I'm so ba da ba 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 going to get me some McDonald's because I'm loving it. Uh, okay, so then Denise, uh, Dorit says to Denise, um, hey, which by the way, did you see Denise trying to flirt with the chef? The chef came out at one point, and Denise is like, hey, you got a partner? You married? And then she, she had the real smoker's voice there, and then the guy was like, yeah, I'm taking, I'm married. And he, she just goes, ah, poor bastard. <laughs> poor bastard. That Poor bastard. Oh my God. I lived for it. I lived for it. But this is when Dorit uh, chimes in and is like, Denise, how does it feel to be around the group? And then Denise is like, well, you know, everyone is right. stuff for you, Erica, because uh, you and I, the first time you and us met, you and I, you and me, you and us met, we were good. And then a year later, it was a different dynamic. So you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about. She says to Erica Jane. And then she says, uh, But what I'm asking you is, do you know what I did to you? And then Erica says, I'm not very clear. (laughs) I'm not very clear. And then that's when Denise says, I'll be very clear. And she gives us the da-da-da-da-da-da. You know, she was trying to get out the sentence, and then she could barely speak, so she just goes, and then, you know, you're so lovely, da-da-da-da-da-da. And then... (laughs) And then she explains that she had a bad cold. And then she says, Erica's very different towards her. And she says, we're grown-ass adults. And you know what I'm talking about. We're grown-ass adults. We and you know what I'm talking about. We're grown-ass adults. And no one knew what the fuck she was talking about. No one at that table. Not even her friends. Carcel was trying to pretend like she knew Even later on, when Denise was stumbling out of that house in the upside down jacket, she ran into Garcelle at the bar. And then uh, Garcelle was like nodding along and trying to pretend she understood what Denise was doing at this dinner party. But she had no clue, no idea. Our cell in her head was like, I'll nod along and then maybe we could talk tomorrow when she's sobered up. But at this moment, as it stands, I don't think not one person there had a lick of sense of what Denise was saying. And then, of course, I think they flashed back to it or told us finally outright they had to because uh, even the audience, I was sitting there, I'm like, I've watched every episode of this, I've taken copious notes on this show, and I still don't know what the fuck Denise is talking about. And then apparently she was talking about that dinner where the kids were nearby, Denise's kids were uh, at a table across the way, And Erica was talking about threesomes. Remember that happened a couple seasons ago? And then really, I mean, when you look back on that, that was like not really a big deal, right? Like it wasn't that what Denise was making a meal out of snack in that one. And I supported it. But at the time, she was like, how dare you uh, talk about threesomes in front of my kids? And now I'm seeing Denise at this dinner party. And I'm like, really, that's what you were worried about, Denise? You're on camera like this? and that's what?" I love her. I love her. And yes, we're being critical of Denise Richards, but it's only out of love, because that woman's Denise effing Richards. And so she could do whatever she wants, although I am a little concerned about her health and everything, because this is not in her jacket, in her jacket, which I don't know where she got that jacket, but I hope it's doing okay, because I imagine it just fell off on the way home. <laughs> I imagine it being like, it fell out of the car. Did you ever drive somewhere? Okay. Or especially after a night out, right? And, or, or do you ever drive on the freeway and you see there's like one shoe on the freeway, right? You always think to yourself, like, how did one shoe just fall out of somebody's car, right? Like, I imagine people on road trips and they put their feet out the window and then like one shoe falls off or something. But there's always like one shoe, one thing of a pair. And I just imagine that, that being like uh, on the freeway, you see like one shoe and then you see that. Denise's upside down jacket like that's what I imagine happened on the freeway home to Malibu after Kyle's dinner party with Denise in that car there was certainly one of her shoes fell off and I do believe that that jacket fell off on the freeway and then Denise got home and she said where's my jacket I must have left it at Kyle's and (laughs) but really it was because she was uh, staring out the window like a dog on the way home trying to get some fresh air we've all been there. Uh, when you've had a couple too many cocktails or whatever the fuck she was doing, you put your head out the window on the way back, and then suddenly a shoe fell out and the jacket fell out. So I, I I do think if we were to go on the freeway, I should maybe head on there now. I know it's been months, but I bet you could see on the side of the freeway one of Denise's shoes and the jacket is there for sure. I'd bet my life on it. I'd bet my bottom dollar on it uh, that Denise lost some things on the freeway home. And the driver probably didn't understand. Denise probably got to her house in Malibu or wherever she lives and didn't understand Camille probably saw it on the way back because I think they live in the same place. They drove the car on the way there together, but Camille stayed around. So I imagine Camille, even on the way home, probably was looking out the window and thought, oh my God, is that Denise's coat? No, it couldn't be. Um, but I bet you it is. I bet you it is that upside down jacket just on the side of the freeway, like a memorial. Memorial to Denise at the weed dinner. And I hope they—I hope it becomes a landmark. And I'm going to ask the city of Los Angeles to maybe put some flowers over there and maybe make it a landmark. Let's find Denise's coat. Find Denise's coat. Uh, okay, so then, let's see. Erica does sort of just apologize, because Denise kept saying, like, I, you know I'm mad at you. Watch the show. Just watch the show. If you need to go watch the show, you could come back to me. And Denise really thought she did something there when she told Erica Jane to just go watch the TV show they're on. And Erica's like, okay. I'm like, okay. And then Erica apologizes. And then this is when Denise says, thank you, you're welcome. She said, thank you, and you're welcome, back to back. And so Denise was doing some sort of call and response. And it might have been a futuristic way to communicate. I don't know. Because it's not a way that I recognized, but Denise is always two steps ahead. And so I think that maybe Denise has found some new way because she just said right to Erica Jane, she said, thank you, you're welcome. Just all one, all one, all together. There was no pause. And just as I'm saying this, if you haven't watched the episode, which I don't know why you'd be listening to this podcast if you haven't watched it yet. But if you haven't, and you're hearing me say that, just know that there was no pause in between thank you and you're welcome, or there was no new sentence started in between Denise saying thank you and then you're welcome. She simply just said, thank you, you're welcome. And they all just looked at her. And this is when Sutton decided to light up the joint because she wasn't partaking in the food edibles as much as she probably could have. You know, They offered 10 milligrams, and most of the gals settled for five or less, which was sort of frustrating to me. I was sort of frustrated by that. Like the chef came out and said, "Normally we'd recommend ten milligrams of the weed dinner." So you let me know how many you want, and then everyone said five. Dorit said one. I'll take one. And I'm like, Dorit, what are we doing with one milligram of whatever? Like, don't even bother at that point. Just have your Chardonnay and then talk about your wind chimes and get out of there for filming. But we're at a weed dinner, and they were, and then even the five. I'm like, what are you doing with five? Because I would imagine the chef was being super conservative. So ten milligrams is probably nothing, right? So then when we have, do you think some of them snuck more and then just on camera said, like, five milligrams? Do you think that might have happened? I kind of feel that way. You know, Dorit said one milligram, but maybe she had more. Although she did seem pretty sober. The only one who really seems like they had maybe 40 milligrams was Denise. (laughs) Denise probably was like, no, I'm not going to have any. And then, like, went into the kitchen, you know, and said, I'll actually have... You know, like when you're at a bar and you're out with friends and you sort of sneak over to the bartender and you're like, they're going to order shots. Can you just get me water? Like, pretend, I'm going to pretend it's vodka. Have you ever done that? I'm going to pretend it's vodka, but can you just give me a water shot, right? Because you know that you're past the limit or you don't want to get a hangover, whatever it is. And I feel like Denise did the opposite of that, where she just went in the kitchen. She's like, I know I just said zero milligrams, but I want you to load her up. I want you to load up, I don't know what they were eating, load up that goat cheese salad and put in 100 milligrams of the edibles. And that's what happened with Denise, maybe. Maybe we just solved the mystery. Um, But when Denise... uh, So Sutton did light up a joint, and I think it was a call and response to Denise's actions at that table. Because she lit it up, and then they all made a big drama about it, too, which was so annoying. She had like one little... She took like one puff of a joint, and in, in the year of 2023, it's like, who cares that some Sutton's taking a puff of joints legal everywhere? It's, it's healthier than alcohol in a lot of ways. So who cares that Sutton's having one little puff of the weed? And they were all doing a big drama about it. Like, Sutton, what are you doing? Wow, Sutton having that. It's like, yeah, we're at a weed party. Like everybody chill uh, F out. Oh, it was annoying me, but also Sutton was annoying me too. Cause, Cause we just remember at Magic Mike, she threw this big hissy fit. Because Bamboozle Jane was getting her Rita Moreno uh, serviced on stage at the Magic Mike show. And Sutton stormed out of that place like she was witnessing, I don't know, something horrific. And then she was saying, I'm on the board for the American Ballet. And it's like, well, now you're on camera lighting up the joint. Which I guess it's legal, so maybe it's different. But it does feel a little hypocritical, doesn't it? Like if you're so image conscious, I don't know, whatever. Sutton's giving us some entertainment this season, so I'm grateful. Then Denise pulls Kyle aside. And then this is when Denise calls Erica, and I quote, a fucking dumb fuck. She says <laughs> she says to Kyle, that bamboozled Jane, she's like, she's a fucking dumb fuck. She's a fucking dumb fuck. And I, I don't know where this Denise has been hiding, uh, but I would like her to come out of hiding and be on more episodes of this TV show. But by the way, Matt came in the room, and you know, he doesn't really watch The Housewives. He he dips in and out, and he knows the players and whatever. But he came in the room when I was watching this, and he saw like how Denise was being. And he's like, oh, man, they got her to act like this on camera? And she's like, so then does she just stop filming? This must be it for her. Because he assumed somebody who would be on camera like this would then never film again to be on camera. Because wouldn't you be so embarrassed like you were putting on your jacket upside down? And and acting this way, wouldn't you think, like, maybe I shouldn't film again on this TV show? But then it was like the next scene or whatever, Denise pops on in, and she looks fresh as a daisy going to lunch with Garcelle and Sutton and Crystal. And it was like, nope, she's still filming. And I don't think she's getting paid for it. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But they do send her off. Um, they do send her off after Dorit... Uh, does try to get her jacket on the proper way anyway then kyle and sutton they rev up their feud again i'm sort of bored by their feud a little bit a little bit i don't like i don't like any of it i don't know nothing i don't like that uh kyle brought up sutton's eating issues which then turned to like her esophagus disorder what i was confused about her esophagus she's got esophagus disorder i've just never heard of that But God bless, and I don't like that Kyle brought it up, because of course Kyle also has her own eating issues, so it was strange to me. Kyle's been so honest and open about her eating disorder past, and then to now bring up uh, Sutton's, uh, checks notes again, esophagus disorder. Well, maybe, I don't know. I guess you shouldn't make fun of anyone's any disorder, even if it's esophagus. And I hope Sutton's doing okay with her esophagus disorder, but I still don't quite understand it. But the, and and also, I I do sort of understand Kyle's low blow though, because Sutton keeps doing the low blow and talking about Kyle drinking too much, and then and then Sutton does the low blow where she's like, "You already lost two of your sisters." want to lose a third she says and that was a low blow i didn't like that and then kyle points out that sutton also had issues with kath because they all kiss kathy's ass they all kiss kathy's ass in an effort to get invited to all them parties and if you follow kath on social media you know that she's throwing a christmas party left right and center every day of the week every day of the goddamn week i'm seeing people at kathy hilton's house for a pajama christmas party what's going on with that and and how come I'm not invited to any of these Kathy Christmas parties? Probably because I get on this microphone all the time and talk about her and her sisters uh, every minute. But <laughs> I do feel like Kathy's doing way too many holiday parties. And that's as a holiday lover myself. I just feel like at a certain point we need Kathy to hang up the candy canes and stop people inviting people into her home. Because every time I log on to social media, people are like, I'm at a Kathy Christmas party. Like She's just at the goddamn Christmas party. How many times she's celebrating the arrival of uh, Jesus or whatever Christmas is about? I don't know. I mean, what's going on? Every minute. I just saw Denise was at a pajama party at Kathy's for Christmas. Like, what's Denise doing at a pajama party? Uh, I want Denise at my pajama party. Okay, then we have... um, So, yeah, Kyle and Sutton are fighting, and um, Camille, they all leave. Camille didn't even talk. Um, Did she get an episode fee? I don't know. Kyle uh, also has this really kind of sad moment where she says goodnight to the people who are cleaning up after the party and they're like "We." she's like I love you she says to them and I don't know I found that so sad I'm happy that she loves these people that she works with however it was sad that Mauricio was nowhere to be found the kids were no were not around, and then Kyle was just going to sleep after this whole thing. And then saying, uh, that was crazy. Uh, so then we have a little montage of the different women at their home. We see Dorita at her house. Phoenix, the daughter, is obsessed with this, like, Halloween hand. And I, this made me obsessed with Phoenix. Like, I cannot imagine a better housewife daughter than this one who just was obsessed with uh, Adam's family. And I guess she's watching Wednesday on Netflix, which I haven't seen, but I, I do love this Phoenix who is, I like, I sort of like when a kid likes that gothy stuff, right? Did we all go through a phase where we were into goth? For me, it came later when I was really into Evanescence. Do you remember that band? Don't cry to me. Remember they sang that song about being, call me when you're sober or whatever? I hope Denise made some calls after she was sober, because she should certainly not be calling nobody when she's drunk. So I hope she listened to Evanescence and made some calls the next day, because she... She was fucked up, but anyway, that was where my goth phase came in. It was like Evanescence came out, and I was like, okay, I am gonna go to Hot Topic, I am gonna go to Pacific Sunwear and buy just the the stuff that like made me feel a little goth. So everybody goes through it, you know. And so Phoenix is going through it, and so she's a star. She's a star. Then Erica is at her house trying to learn how to make uh, lemonade. No idea how to make lemonade. I think somebody who works with Erica was like, "Don't you just put sugar in it?" And I was like, "Yep, you are spot on. You got it." Ding, ding, ding. Like, that's it. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. I wish (laughs) Eric. I wish one of the producers would have just stepped in in that scene when the assistant was like, don't you just add sugar? And I wish a producer just stepped into frame and was like, ding, ding, ding. Because you know, it must be frustrating for them to, the camera people, to be sitting there uh, filming these people who don't know how to make lemonade, right? Like, they had no fucking idea how to make lemonade. How do you get through your whole life without having a lemonade stand? And by the way, even if you weren't someone who was raised in lemonade stands, you should still know that you just add some sugar to lemon water. I mean, what, 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 why do you not know how to make a lemonade? Or just, I don't know, but whatever. They're figuring it out. Then we have Kyla and Anna Maria playing, uh, I hate to say this out loud. Yep, they were playing pickleball. When are we going to stop with the pickleball? It's on every screen I look at. Everywhere I look, there's pickleball. Everybody's talking about it, playing it, doing it on TV, on camera, with friends, inviting me to pickleball courts. And I've been ignoring it for, for how long has it been since pickleball came into the public consciousness and took over like a, a plague? I feel like I, uh, pickleball gets more press headlines and television appearances than COVID at this point. I'm just honestly sick of uh, pickleball, hearing the word pickleball, seeing pickleball, asking people, asking me to go to pickleball and pickleball tournaments and every age, everybody's playing it. And I am sick of it. And I don't know how many times I say that, but then I got to watch Kyle and Anna Marie, who I don't even like these two, got to watch them play and their neighbors. And Kyle's gushing over Anna Maria and then. Uh, they're talking about Sutton and Garcelle. How Kyle's mad at them, and Anna Maria's in healthcare. And so they start talking about Sutton's sphincter, which was not something I was expecting. Apparently, they think something. There could be a sphincter issue. My baby's got a is, there, is there a secret with the Sutton sphincter? Because all of a sudden, Anna Marie, I don't know if I missed that, but I was like, how does that connect to this? How does the sphincter got to do with the esophagus, Anna Marie? Like, what's happening here and now? Do I need to go in a medical class or something? Because I had no idea what was going on. Was that, maybe it's digestive, so it's, is it connected that way? I don't know. But all of a sudden, when, when, I, when I perk up and all of a sudden start hearing about Sutton Sphincter, I think maybe need to change course, producers. Maybe go any, any other direction. Follow any other thread besides Sutton Sphincter at this show. Any other thread. doesn't matter what you want to show us. I don't care. But let's talk or do or see something other than uh, talk about Sutton Sphincter from Anne-Marie. Because I can't do that. I can't do that. But I guess Anna Maria. Is it Anne Maria or Anna Maria? Is I i think it's A-N-N-E. But I thought they kept saying Anna Maria. People are going to yell at me. You know, you get yelled at for everything. People are going to send me DM. How dare you pronounce it that way? How dare you? Or even last week, I, did I say Oregon wrong or Oregon? Or people were yelling at me for that. Oh, my God, you guys. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's so annoying. You try my best. I say things weird. And also, I make fun of the people on our TV shows who say things weird. That's what we do here. It's a circle of life. Get on board or get off. Okay, so she has, Anna Maria does anesthesia. I do like that you guys are engaged. I know I just complained about that, but I am grateful you're all engaged. So thank you. And apologies to everyone who lives in that state that I mispronounced. Love you all. Okay, then we cut to Crystal, Garcelle, Sutton, and Denise looking again fresh as a daisy. And uh, Garcelle brings up, so we were just talking about Sutton's sphincter. And now Garcelle starts bringing up Sutton's hooves and amputating them, because I guess Sutton also has – she says something about amputating Sutton's hoof. Did anyone catch that? It was like, I guess Sutton's got some sort of legs issue aside from the esophagus. And I just hope her medical team is is on all of this stuff, because it seems like all the other gals are concerned. Um, and then they do start talking about Kyle and Kyle's not drinking anymore. Garcelle says that Kyle sweeps the um, dance f- This is a hard sentence to say, uh, pull over if you're driving and also plug the cure, uh, the kid's ears if they're listening to this, which they shouldn't be, but plug their ears because Garcelle said that Kyle sweeps the dance floor with her coochie. That's what she said. She said, that's what Kyle does. And now she's not doing that. So something's up. And I wish they would just let Kyle not drink. Who cares? She's not drinking. Who cares that she's not sweeping the dance floor with her coochie? I'm sure the a lot of people who are on that dance floor are probably grateful for that. If I go to some dance club, I'm going to be happy that Splits Richards isn't doing the splits on the dance floor and sweeping her metaphorical or physical coochie on the dance floor, like Garcelle says. Direct quote. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, Crystal, does, Crystal seems a little messier this season. Not as messy as I think she needs to be. Like I think she does need to even step it up more a little bit and either be messier or, I don't know, do something else, Crystal, because I feel like she's getting lost in the shuffle here. But she is being a little bit messier. And so she says uh, to Sutton that the sister comment was like a low blow, which I agree. And then Denise just wants Bamboozle Jane to acknowledge the threesome thing. So then we cut to PK and Dorit. PK, baby. And this is just watching them like try to get in the same room together is one of my favorite things on this show. Because every time they show a Dorit, you get to Dorit's house, and they always do, Bravo does like an establishing shot on Dorit's house. And then we hear over the establishing shot of the outside of their house, we hear like, P.K., baby, baby. And then we hear P.K. say, Dorit, baby, yeah, yeah, baby. And they just do that back and forth. And then we see them inside. And this is when P.K. say, like, baby, can you make me a cup of tea, my love? And then she's like, yes, baby, my love, babe, P.K., yes, baby, I'll make you some tea you know, and we just get that. But I love the pomp and circumstance of like, before we even make the tea. Like, I love that establishing shot. I love when we get the PK baby. And I don't know what's going on with their relationship, if they're going to be uh, around together. So I'm just trying to appreciate these moments as they come to me. Because who knows, in a season or two, I hate to say it, but they likely will not be with us together, right? Like, either they'll be getting separated, or they'll be kicked off the show. I don't know what'll happen, but it, this is... We're at the end of our line, I think, with uh, the Dorit and P.K. stuff because she might stick around and he won't or or maybe they'll both. I don't know what'll happen, but I just spiritually feel like this is... We don't have much more time left with Dorit. So I'm going to just breathe in all these moments of the establishing shot and P.K. yelling, uh, P.K., baby, make me some tea, my love. My love. I'm going to just breathe it in because I'll never forget when we had Yolanda Foster always saying, my my love and then we lost her one day and i've never heard from yolanda since i don't know what's going on with yolanda i think she's living in like pennsylvania or something on a farm she met like a did you actually i do know what's going on with yolanda because i just saw this and forgive me do not take this as fact because i just quickly saw it on social media but i think she married some rich guy in uh, pittsburgh or somewhere and maybe it's not pittsburgh somewhere with a p is it philadelphia i don't know unclear but the point is she did meet another rich man And got married again. So good for Yolanda. But one day she was on our show saying, my love. And then she was suddenly missing. She's suddenly missing. So I don't know. I'm going to breathe in all these moments with Dorit and PK. So then Dorit also, when they're at home here, she's in just very low-key clothes and glasses. No glam. Jeans. Jeans. Dorit was in jeans. Dorit was in jeans. Jeans. She was in jeans. And glasses? And what was happening? Suddenly, she worked looked like she worked at a Northeast Ohio J C Penney, and that is not the Dorit that we've come to know on this show. And there's no shade to anyone who works at a Northeast Ohio J C Penney. But I thought Dorit could go right to her shift in them jeans and that those sunglasses because I've never seen her like that. And I keep saying there's something going on with the finances, and now there's this whole bit about Dorit like created a school at her house, a whole school, and then. But this happened? Didn't this happen pre robbery, right? Because didn't they start the schooling because of? I don't know, but so she created this school, and PK is like, "No, the kids need to go to school with other kids." And Dorit's like, "No, you're not here. You don't parent, you know." And it's such a shocking thing because there's stuff going on with the finances that they're not that we're not being told everything about it. But like, I think that that's what PK is trying to say: like, we can't homeschool the kids because we need to send them to public school because we're having money issues. And I don't know that, and I hate to throw out that accusation, but when I'm seeing her looking like this a person who works at a Northeast Ohio JCPenney, and, and not the Dorit in the full glam and the crazy outfits and looks and everything. And uh, previous seasons, every time we'd get eyes on Dorit, she'd be wearing some crazy updo and whatever. And now I'm seeing her in the scene with PK. And I'm like, what is happening here? There's something going on with the purse strings. And I need to know, I need the tax receipts. I need, <laughs> show me the taxes. Um, okay. So then uh, let's see. Also, she's got so many different looks in this episode because one uh, one of the confessional streets in is got the updo and the bra showing, looking like a sexy librarian. And then this one, I mean, there's just too many different looks, too many different looks. Then we cut to Erica and Mikey Minden, uh, who I love now. Again, I love and I love. I've always loved Mikey Minden on this show. I love when he just shows up. He's like, yes, yes. <laughs> I love. <laughs> I love when the gay men are just around them and they're just yes, yes, yes. Wear that, yes. Um, anyway, Mikey Minden's always been a favorite and he's shown up he's been with us on reality TV for years. So at this point he's a staple because I remember him coaching Gretchen Christine Butte on the Real Houses of Orange County. And uh, he was helping to get ready for that Pussycat Dolls show in Las Vegas. Yes. Do you remember that? Remember that? So Mikey Minden's been with us for quite some time. And speaking of the Real Houses of Orange County, have you guys been following all this stuff about Alexis Jesus Jugs Bellino? Who now it's rumored is going to be coming back to the Real Houses of Orange County. And not only that. But she's also uh, hooking up with John, Shannon's ex. Alright, so Erica Jane says the only time I'm the only time I'm present in life is when I'm on stage, and so this is them sitting down and they're prepping us for the Las Vegas residency that um, bamboozle Jane is about to embark on, and so is Mikey Minden, and so they sit down at this bar or restaurant, they order some martinis, which I love when they order the martinis. Erica's like, oh, I'll have a dry martini or whatever she ordered the martini. And then Mikey goes, times two. And I there's something about that pomp and circumstance that I love, too. You go to a restaurant, and I love when somebody just piggybacks on somebody else's order. And I'm a a Libra, so I get that more than anyone because I'm I'm having trouble making decisions every time I'm sitting down to make something, uh, a decision on something. And so when Mikey Minow was like, times two, I don't know. I just felt seen on TV for maybe the first time ever, a gay man just agreeing to order whatever the other person had because they don't want to have to bother figuring it out. And so I like that times two, times two. I'll have that too. I love that. I tend to do that all the time. Or Matt gets mad at me because every time we go somewhere, I always ask when I'm ordering anything, cookies, food, whatever. I'm like, what is your favorite thing here? And it's like, I need somebody to tell me what their favorite thing is. And then I'll order that because I just have, I'm a terrible decision maker. And I need to get better at it. And it's, I'm not, I'm actually really good at decision making for the big decisions but when it comes to small stuff about like what I should order at a restaurant, I don't know. I just, I will spend hours. I will, don't go to dinner with me or lunch or anything because <laughs> unless you just order for me or but that's a bad, you can't order for me either because I want what I want, but I just don't know what I want. Does that make sense? You guys get it. Um, okay. So then the end of the episode is this is hiking trail, Kyle, Dorit and Kim, Kim, Kim. <laughs> Oh, I love Kim. I love Kim. And she says she hasn't really left the house since lockdown. And she started coloring on her walls. And they act act like that's uh, her being an artist. And she is an artist. She's an artiste, And she's been giving art since she was a little kid. However, I am a little concerned with the murals on in her house. Because, again, they are just on the walls. They're just on the walls. And she shows us on screen. They show us pictures. And I was thinking as she was telling people on the hiking trail she was saying, oh, I started drawing on the walls or coloring on the walls. And I thought, oh, she's probably just being like quirky Kim, like isn't actually coloring on the walls. Like maybe she got one of those adult coloring books or something. And then they show us. And I was like, what's going on here? And then I was also a little shocked because they looked great. Not that I, I don't know what I expected. Again, I, I expected her to be shown in a coloring book, not just on the walls. But when I saw the murals that she was doing, I was like, these are actually really great. Like I'm ready to commission Kim Richards to come over to my house and just start painting on the walls or coloring on the walls. I don't even think it was paint, you guys. I do think it was Crayola crayons. <laughs> I do think it was Crayola crayons. I don't know. Maybe I got to get some more eyes on that, but it didn't look like paint to me. Those were like colored pencils at best. Am I wrong? Was it paint? And I just, maybe I was just saw it wrong. It's spiritually, it felt like crayons. It felt like crayons. And I do believe that Kim's got a box of Crayola crayons at the house. And during lockdown, we just looked at the walls and thought, I better get up there. And then just started going at it. Going at it. And so I'm going to need her to come on over, put some Crayolas out and do what she's got to do. Do her magic. Because they look good. Now, and I would never feel comfortable drawing on my walls. Right? I'm nervous about a paint color. I, yeah, when I'm looking to change a room at my house, I'm looking around and I'm like, oh, it's a a gray colored wall now? Like what new color gray? And then you go to the paint store and you just get like all the shades of gray and then, <laughs> or beige. You're like, what's this beige? I'm going to, should I do this walnut or should I do this? What, you know, it's whatever, but they all basically look the same. And I'm overthinking that. And then here's Kim Richards, just staring at her 86 pack of Crayola crayons in the house during COVID times. It's like, let me get on the walls. And then she does, she does art. Uh, but Kyle hasn't met Paris's baby yet. And so Kyle's still in the outs with the rest of the family. And she cries in confessional. She says, this is the hardest part because Kathy's mad at her. So, you know, now I don't get to see everyone. I don't get to see the nieces. And and Kim even cries in the scene. Kyle cried in the confessional, but Kim cried in the scene. And that's why I think Kim, she don't even need a confessional. She's a star actor. She knows how to bring them tears up as soon as she needs to. And so she cries uh, in the hiking trail. And Kyle saves it for the professional. So that's why I, I do believe that Kim's a better actor. I do. Um, and then Dorit, she tried to cry, but nothing came out. Uh, then uh, Kim ends the episode by saying life is short. And then Kyle gives this monologue about her family, a sad monologue about the family being torn apart and largely due to this television show, which to me, again, no expert, but I would imagine if I was on a reality show and it tore my entire family apart and made my sisters never want to speak to me again and it, often caused me to not have a relationship with the nieces and nephews in my life, and then also caused me to have a breakup with my husband when it was revealed that I was getting tattoos with a honky-tonk lesbian, and and also if it was uh, accused that I stole my sister's house, and then I accidentally revealed that my sister was an alcoholic on camera, and uh, if all of these things happened to me, I would maybe say, oh, I probably shouldn't do that job, right? Like, maybe I should get back into the scripted world. And then... <laughs> that's what i would think would be going through Kyle the splits richard said at this point in time after decade plus on reality television but what do i know it just seems like you should prioritize right i understand you you got to prioritize work making money should be the top of your priority list to keep the lights on at your house and provide food for your family family i think that's a very important thing right but i think above that should be your relationship with those people in your life that you're trying to provide for so it seems to me like maybe it's not a good idea to be on this television show for Kyle. But she is, and I'm grateful I'm going to keep watching it. Uh, but at some point, you would think she might look around at her life and the hell that she created. <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. And I'm, it's not exactly a hell that she created. But she may be in this beautiful house, but she's going to bed at night saying goodnight to the people who are cleaning up after her. And she doesn't even have the relationship with the sisters or the husband. And I know in real time she's made up with the sisters, so I guess that's... Fine, but it keeps happening over. It's a pattern now. So every time she's on the show, people closest to her in her life are going to start hating her. And so that scene where she's saying goodnight after the weed dinner party, after Denise sauntered on out with the jacket half on and backwards, uh, that she lost on the freeway, and Kyle was saying goodnight to the people who were cleaning up after the weed dinner party and saying I love you to them, that maybe she'd sit and think, maybe I need to get off this reality show because it's ruined my relationship with every person in my life. But I don't know. I don't know. I love Christmas. Alright, that's the end of the Real is Beverly Hills. Should we get into Salt Lake City? Let's take our break here. And we'll come back and we're gonna talk about you guys, we gotta talk about Monica Bleaching that mustache. We gotta talk about Meredith won that bathtub and not getting that bathtub. Oh I love these shows. We'll be right back. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Thank you to ACAST and we'll be right back. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You gotta ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you gotta put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff, but luckily I've found quince and quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about quince. Now I've got high quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow knit activewear, and the best part, 365 Day Returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 Day Returns, quince.com slash iconic. Now that's a great thing I love using Redfin I love checking out If you're buying or selling a home And you you need some help with that Check out Redfin Download the Redfin app to get started And we're back I think I'll have a certain name Alright, The Real House of Salt Lake City Is delivering this season Like no other season before it I'm loving it We're finally at Bermuda, day one And I'm just I love when we get to a cast trip I love these women just fighting in sprinter vans In new locations Day one of every main cast trip is always my favorite because it's like things just start getting ramped up and then you know you still got one or two more episodes left. That's going to be really, really great. Always usually the best of the season. I like that we're in a different locale. So although I love the snowy landscapes of Salt Lake City, Utah, I am also love seeing those snowy women in a tropical climate. I just feel good as gold. Good as motherfucking gold. By the way, speaking of gold as gold, did you guys see Ariana's going to be on Broadway? She's going to be doing Chicago, Roxy Hart. Yeah, he had it coming. Uh, oh, I need to go. I'm going to go. I need to go. I need to go see Ariana on Broadway. And not only just see her on Broadway, I love when a Bravo celebrity goes to Broadway, but also I need to see her singing that song from Chicago. He had it coming. He had it coming. Because I'm going to be thinking of that demon Tom that she was with who had it coming. And I wonder if, I don't know, I need to go. Anyway, we're proud of her. Um, Okay, what else is going on? Bermuda, The Real House of Salt Lake City, day one, super excited. Meredith accidentally took, okay, this was a little unclear because she is obviously dehydrated and going through something. Denise Richards coded. We're grown-ass adults. And you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. So something's going on, but they say that Meredith just accidentally took double sleeping pills as if she's George Banks and father of the bride part two. Do you remember that? When he took two Vosniks <laughs> Do you, know you guys know what I'm talking about? When he took those pills from Martin Short and father of the bride part two, because he was not getting some good sleep. And so he takes them. And then he says to his son, Maddie says, please, please pass the rules. And then Maddie goes to pass the rules And then uh, he passes right out of the dinner table, and Martin Short comes in, and he's like, "Uh Uh-oh, hello! He says, What's going on here, Maddie? And Maddie's like, Oh, he took uh, two sleeping pills, and then Martin Short says, Two Vosniks. And it's like, If I take half of one, it's see you next Thursday. You know, like that whole bit. You guys know what I'm talking about. If not, you need to go watch Father of the Bride Part 2 immediately. And just in general, you need to go watch that immediately, at all times. At all times. Uh, By the way, in the first Father of the Bride movie, I know I'm getting us off track here. But in the very first one, there's a voiceover that uh, George Banks says about how great that house looks in Christmas lights. And I feel like we've been robbed, and I blame everybody, Nancy Myers, I blame media, I blame everybody, that we haven't gotten a holiday version of Father the a Father of the Bride Part 3 set during the holidays. Because they tease us in that first movie saying, this house looks great in Christmas lights, but then we never fucking see it. Or at least the very least, whoever owns that house—I think it's in Pasadena, California. Whoever owns that home needs to throw up some uh, twinkle lights on that and show it to me on social media, because I, that was in the voiceover and then I never saw it. So put on some goddamn twinkle lights onto that house and show it to me. Okay. So anyway, Meredith accidentally turns out like George Banks, but yeah. So she said what she, how she explained her behavior was that she accidentally took double sleeping pills. But even the women in the confessionals are like, I don't know if that was a. You know, like they're all sort of implying it because, yeah. And what kind of sleeping pills? I, I guess Heather said it was Xanax. You really shouldn't be just handing out Xanax to people who don't have the prescription. That's still for another time. Uh, but the point is, Meredith said she took double sleeping pills, but then I think it was also maybe Xanax that they said. It was all very confusing. But Meredith just, bless her soul, was just like, I'm so cold. You know, she... <laughs> like she was seeing the light or whatever, like as they're getting to Bermuda and all the other women didn't care. They're like, what's, where's my room? Where's my room? Meredith's like, I'm so cold. (laughs) Then they arrive at this beautiful home and everybody's like, you did so good, Heather. You did so good. And I was like, did Heather do any of this? Did production do it? But they keep doing that pomp and circumstance too. Every time they arrive on a cast trip, they're like the, the person who planned this did so good, Heather, good job. And I was like, I don't think Heather was the one getting the clearance on this home, but, I don't know. I'm I'm always a little unclear about the way these vacations work. because so I feel like they're described a hundred different ways. I don't know. I don't get it. Um, but they arrive at this house. They do throw Monica's house under the bus when they show this vacation home because Monica says something like, I could fit a hundred of my houses in this house. And then they, the editor superimposed Monica, like a hundred versions of Monica's house over the one version of this vacation home, which was so mean. <laughs> when you really think about it you really think about it i was like that was so mean it was just like production being like yeah monica's house is so much smaller than this vacation home they're staying in i don't know it just felt sort of mean-spirited but i it is what it is then uh, so they all get these rooms um it did sort of feel like we were missing someone we were just missing mary cosby that's who we were missing but it felt like we were missing somebody else right i don't know um but they uh, meredith gets the room without the tub and she says she she's not even aware when they're picking out the rooms. I think this is where the confusion was, because Meredith was so, um, God, how do I put this? Um, so how she was on double sleeping pills, um, allegedly, that she didn't even know that everyone took a, ba- a room without a bathtub. And so they're walking around the house, and she's like, I'm just going to go take a little rest. I'm, I'm not feeling great. And so I'm just... I'll see you guys later. I'm going to go to the room without a bathtub. I think I'll have a certain name. So she sort of slurs on over to the room without a bathtub, but she didn't seem mad about it when they first got to the house and they were picking out the rooms. And I don't know if she just didn't know or what. I mean, when she was walking away to the room without the bathtub at the beginning of the house trip or when they got to the house, it did feel like she was fighting gravity. Did it not? Like she was walking through quicksand and maybe there was like a ghost spirit weighing her down. Like, she was still upright as she was moving, but it was like gravity was working its effect. Or do you ever know, um, what's that movie? You know Scooby-Doo? Shaggy and Scooby-Doo, how he's always sort of like slouched, and he's always walking like he's stoned. And there was always these, the idea of Scooby-Doo was like they were all high, right? Like, isn't that a, a, not an urban legend, but isn't that what people always say? Like, the creators were writing them high, even though they weren't exactly high. Anyway, uh, Shaggy in Scooby Doo, or in the movies played by Matthew Lillard, is always walking with the bell bottoms on and kind of slouched over and just slowly walking through quicksand. And I felt like that's what Meredith Marks looked like when she was slinking away in the bell bottoms because she was also wearing the bell bottoms. She looked like Shaggy from Scooby Doo. I was ready for Scoob to pop on in and be like, "Huh?" Or wait, that was was that Tim Allen or Scooby Doo? Tim Allen was the one who goes, "Huh." And then Scooby-Doo, doesn't he? Goes, rut, 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 row. So you do, he's a rut, row, row right? <laughs> rut, row, row rorge. That's what he says. Okay. I remembered. Um, anyway. So Meredith does pass out while the others do their scene work. So the others split up into twos. So Angie and Whitney go off. And I can't concentrate on anything Angie's saying because them big ass sunglasses and then the zit bindies that she put on her head to cover, she put something on her head to cover up the zit. And, uh, so I get that. I would probably do something like that on camera. Like I would put like a band if I had a big zit, like a cystic zit or something, and I knew I had to be on camera, I'd put like a band aid on it and I'd be like, Oh, I cut my head, but really it'd be a big zit. So if you do ever see me on television with a big band aid on my forehead, just know that it's cystic acne and it's not the cut that I'm telling how to copy it is. Um, not that they'd invite me on, but anyway, the point is that's what I would do. So you gotta get, you gotta do whatever you can, especially with these HD cameras. So I understand what Angie's doing, but she, maybe she should have just put a hat on or something. Cause I don't even know what she was saying in the scene. Um, apparently Whitney and Lisa, oh, they're talking about Lisa. So Angie and Whitney are talking about how Whitney and Lisa are not on good terms. Whitney said her and Lisa did a polar plunge that they only showed in flashbacks. So it must not have been interesting at all. Uh, but we did see it briefly in flashback. Now, Lisa hates Whitney. And uh so Lisa's over talking to Heather Gay about it and says, um, Heather Gay sort of says that Whitney says that uh, Whitney makes Lisa a better person or something like this. And Lisa's like, you know who makes me feel like a better person? My God and my husband, not Whitney Wild Rose. So Lisa's not having it. And they're finally stopping to pretend that they like each other because I always felt like they were pretending. Um, then Monica had no one to do scene work with, so they sent her on in, production sent her into Meredith's room with a plate of food. And then she says, I just wanted to eat with you so you're not alone, which was a lie, <laughs> which was her lying to all of us, including Meredith. And really what she was saying is nobody else wanted to film with me. Production wanted me to get in somewhere, and so they're sending me in here. And then Meredith says to Monica, well, my feelings are hurt by how it was all handled. And she's talking about the bathtub. But then she's acting like the bathtub is some sort of healing. Mach- I mean, I know bathtubs can be relaxing. But it wasn't like she had to go to the hospital. And she just needed an IV for fluids because she was dehydrated. She took too many of the pills on the plane. And so I understand a little bit why the women aren't maybe bending over backwards. Because we've all been there. You take too many plane drugs, and then suddenly you're not conscious when you're trying to get to the house that you're all sharing for the weekend. And so I just don't know that I felt bad for Meredith and she was expecting somebody to give up the room. But then Monica also was like acting like she felt bad for Meredith, but then wasn't giving up the room. So she was in the room empathizing with Meredith for not getting the bathtub, but then she never once said like, you could take my room. (laughs) Oh, man. And then Meredith's like, I'm just feeling disrespected. I'm feeling like the group does not give me any respect. And Monica's like, I'm so sorry about that. She's being really nice. And then Monica's like, well, I better get out of here. Like, I'll see you later. And then Meredith's like, can you close the blinds for me? So then Meredith is like giving Monica work to do as she's saying nobody respects her. And then Monica adjusts the blinds for her and everything. But no one wants to give up the room for her, and nor should they. Because Meredith just had a couple too many somethings before getting on the plane. Uh, Then we cut to, let's see, Monica. The whole reason we're on this trip is because Monica, I guess, is seeing some of her family or something. And then she said, my mom helped me set up the meeting that we're going to have with these other people. It's a very loose thread for a cast trip, which is fine with me. And on Real Houses of Orange County, they once went to Ireland to meet Megan King Edmund's family. And then I don't even think she met any of them. She just went on the streets of Ireland and was like, hey, are you my cousin? (laughs) Are you my fucking cousin? And all the people in Ireland are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Who are you? And then nothing happened. I don't even think we got resolution about who Megan K. family was. But it was a great trip. It was a great trip. And that's what's happening here on Salt Lake City. It's like Monica's mom's family or something. I bet the mom was supposed to be on the cast trip. Do you think they, sh- they should have gotten her there? She- they should have gotten her there. Meanwhile, Meredith's got the mobile medic in the room. He's giving her an IV. She looks like she's dying. She does. And uh, Lisa says, this made me laugh. Lisa said, now we know why Meredith was so good at churning butter. Because she really knows how to milk things. That was a good one. That was a good one. Gotta give it to her um, But Meredith, while she's getting the IV From bed, is also getting the glam from bed And I've never seen that before I'm, eh. So then, finally When they all get on that Sprinter van To go uh, to whatever their next dinner Or whatever the fuck that was She was fresh as a daisy But also ready to murder everybody else Everybody else And as soon as she sits down She says, I have a question for everybody in this car Who here has a room with a bathtub in it? And they play that really dramatic music. And it's so good, you guys. It's so good. The fact that this whole fight is over a bathtub. This is classic Housewife. This is why I watch Bravo in the first place. It's so juicy. It's so minuscule. I love when someone makes a, a small thing into a big thing. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Just her confronting everyone about getting a room with a bathtub in it. And they every single person in there has a room with a bathtub. Every single person except for Meredith Marks has got a tub. And then it leads to these other threads and other fights between Angie Kay and Meredith. And I was sort of siding with Angie Kay on the fight. I'm loving Angie Kay. Um, But they do eventually sit for dinner. Lisa Barlow immediately asks for bread and a Diet Coke. And that made me love her even more. Bread and a Diet Coke. Immediately. Immediately. Uh, and then they all apologize to Meredith that she's feeling hurt. And then Meredith's like, that's all I was looking for. They're like, I'm sorry that you were hurt. You didn't get a bathtub. That's all I wanted. And it's like, what? <laughs> What then? Whitney brings up that Lisa was hurting her feelings, her feelings, and then Lisa makes that about herself. Whitney's mad at Heather now for meddling in the thing with Lisa, so there's all these different layers going on. And Lisa says that, in regards to her relationship with Whitney, she says she's a bull, Lisa's a bulldog, and she says she tempers herself because the others are too weak for her. She's saying, in regards to Uh, Whitney Wild Rose, she's like, I'm a bulldog. I'm a fresh, she ain't a fresh wolf. She's a fresh bulldog. And she says, I temper myself. Uh, meanwhile, this whole fight's happening between Heather, Whitney, and Lisa, and Angie and Meredith decide to cheers to not being the ones who are fighting, which made me laugh. And then Whitney tells Heather to shut the fuck up. Wh- Heather's like, I'm pissed. Don't tell me to shut the fuck up. Uh, and they're all just arguing. They're all just arguing. And I think they all kind of want to be friends with Lisa Barlow. It seems like Lisa Barlow's is queen bee of this group. And so they are, I think, competing to be best friends with Lisa Barlow, and I don't really understand what that is, or why that is, or what it is behind the scenes, or what is the impetus for people wanting so badly to be besties with Lisa Barlow, but it's what's happening here. I feel like there's this hierarchy. Uh, But they eventually do leave dinner, and it's funny on Housewives, every time they leave a dinner like this, where everything just blew up, everybody was fighting, they always just decide to leave, and they go, whew, what a dinner that was. (laughs) Whew, whew, what a dinner that was. What a lovely dinner time I had just now, and it's every single time. And in real life, you'd be like, "Well, I'm not going to go to dinner with this group of women again because it ended in hell." And yet, every time we see it, it happen on these shows, every single episode, on every single franchise, they leave that group dinner and they go, "Woo, that was a lovely dinner, wasn't it?" <laughs> uh, and the people who work around these people, the uh, woman, uh, the man who was running the sprinter van. And the people who serve them at these restaurants, I mean, they're the real stars of these shows and to deserve all the raises in the world. Um, but then they talk about who would win in a fight, Heather or Whitney, when they're back at the hotel or the house. And uh, let's see, who do I think would win in a fight between Heather and Whitney? I don't know. I actually would put my money on Heather, although I do think Whitney is scrappy. Um, then they show a flashback of Monica and Meredith with sand on their faces indoors and in bathing suits. Because, okay, There's this whole thing between Monica and Meredith that they were been in cahoots apparently, and they haven't been showing us them in cahoots because they should have flashback of them in the scene together before that I had never seen before. Again, it was like they had sand on their mouth, but they were indoors and in bathing suits. And so I don't know where exactly they were. Who knows? It felt like they were in the on the set of Dune. Remember that movie Dune? <laughs> That's all I thought about. It was like a flashback to Meredith and Monica on the set of Dune. Dune 2. Like, Timothy Chalamet is going to show up in a second. Because I was like, where is the sand coming from? But apparently they've been in good hoots. Because there's this whole thing about Angie being tied to the Greek Mafia. Okay, And Meredith apparently got some DMs and called Monica and said, I got some DMs about Angie and some tax lien and bankruptcy. And then Monica got the documents sent to her about Angie and Sean's finances. And Meredith's half in the bag. And she's like, well, I'm really behind on my DMs. And then Monica points out that... Meredith is acting like she doesn't care about it, but Meredith was actually the one who like made a big stink about it and then called me and everything. So Monica's now, it seems next week, going to throw Meredith under the bus. It looks so good. Oh, It looks so good. But Meredith's pretending on camera she doesn't care about these DMs. And so she ends the episode by saying, karma comes back to bite you. It always does. You do bad things, it comes back to bite you. I think I'll have a show next. I don't know, you guys. It's getting good. It's getting good. Next week, we have Monica's birthday, and Monica tells everyone about the Greek mafia business, the NGK. I can't wait. We're so lucky. We're in a good place with the Real houses of Salt Lake. We're in a good place with the Real houses of Beverly Hills. Miami's still delivering. We're just in a good place in general. So I want to thank Bravo and uh, all the gals. All the gals on, bravo. Um, Thank you all so much for listening. Now that all the housewife stuff is over, I do have a special interview with Jillian Bell, a friend of the podcast. She's been on here before. You know her from movies like 22 Jump Street, Godmothered, uh, The Night Before. She's been in a million things, and she's so, so funny in everything that she's in. She plays the villain in this new movie, Candy Cane Lane, with Eddie Murphy. She's like a mischievous elf named Pepper, and it's a very family-friendly movie. If you have young kids, I really think the kids will love it. And I think it's like kind of one of those all-age kids. Like, So you can go little older or really little, I think would also really like it. But tonally, it's like weird. And I said this to Jillian, I was like, it felt like the 90s kind of family comedies that I remember like that Eddie Murphy used to make or that Mike Myers used to make or I don't know, like that kind of uh, 90s vibe where tonally, it's like a little bit actiony, it's a little bit comedy, it's a little bit broad, it's family, it's not... I don't know. That's what it reminded me of. It's like a Jumanji type or something from the 90s. And I don't know. Jillian's so good. So if you have family and uh, you are looking for a holiday movie to watch, uh, support Jillian and and check out the movie. And uh, there's been so many... Great holiday movies this time of year. I cover a lot of them on my holiday movie podcast called A Very Merry Iconic Podcast. We've been putting some of those episodes in the Everything Iconic feed, but if you want more, you can go to A Very Merry Iconic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I also have a holiday movie or a holiday book out called The Jollies Bunch, which you can get hardcover or the audio book, it makes a great listen if you're going on a holiday road trip, or traveling over the holiday season, or just uh, pick up the book. There's great pictures in the book, or the audio version I narrate as well. So you can get signed copies at everythingiconic.store, or from your favorite local bookstore, Amazon's got a great deal on them right now, or Target, and all the places you can get them. So uh, everythingiconic.store also has merch available for the holidays if you want t-shirts, or ladies, am I right, long sleeve shirts, or whatever, everythingiconic.store. whoo all right. I love you all so much for listening. Thank you so much. And uh we'll I hope you enjoy this chat with Jillian Bell of Candy Cane Lane. And we'll be back next week with all of our Bravo goodness. Love you all. Bye. Yeah, yeah. I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that Thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products plus. Fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made I'm here with the returning guest, Jillian Bell. Jillian uh, stars in the new movie Candy Cane Lane, which is on Amazon, also starring Eddie Murphy. Yes. David Allen Greer. Wow. I like love David Allen Greer. That's, talk about him for a minute. Can
0: I tell you that when I found out David, first of all, I guess that David was attached
1: before he was attached. Because the was it the boomerang connection? Is that why?
0: Well, I just, they were like, we're not going to tell anyone who's playing Santa yet. And I go, can I just tell you who should play Santa? And they are like, okay. And I go, David Alan Greer. And then they were like, mm, mm-hmm. And they didn't tell me. And then later on, I saw that his headshot was up on the
1: board. Oh, my God.
0: And I flipped out because I'm a huge David Alan Greer fan.
1: Okay, Jillian, he's like so underrated. I Like, so underrated. I just feel like he's good and great, great in everything. He's great yeah. in everything. Always really funny. Yes. Super consistent. And just doesn't get the respect, I think, that he deserves.
0: Truly. I mean from In Living Color on like I was like I'm obsessed with you. He's actually in one of my favorite movies that is also underrated.
1: What? Return to Me. Oh my god, yes, Bonnie
0: Hunt. Bonnie Hunt. Oh my Bonnie god. Bonnie Hunt
1: for days. Jillian, I could w- talk about Bonnie Hunt forever. I, me too. Yeah.
0: I truly want her to be in something with me. I would I would die.
1: Okay. Well, can I write it because yes. I have Okay, yeah. Great. I, okay, yeah. You have an idea? Yeah, yeah, and Bonnie's like a friend. Like we're <gasps> buddy. I really? know yeah. yeah. And she's, yeah, she's like a buddy of mine. Like,
0: have you been out to lunch with Bonnie Hunt?
1: Yes, I have breakfast. <gasps> Can I tell you the best Bonnie Hunt story? Yes. I think I've told this on the podcast maybe years ago, but I was going to a friend's, like we were going, a group of us going away for a weekend at a friend's parents' house, right? Okay. In Santa Barbara. And we're on the little plane on the way to Santa Barbara. And my, one of my other friends was like, Danny, come here. Like she's like, I just want to warn you or or kind of give you a heads up. Like Bonnie's gonna be staying at the house because she's friends with my friend's parents, right? No. no. And she's like, I know you'd freak out if you just sort of arrived at the house and there she is. And I did then arrive at the house and then there she was. And I was like, Oh my god, I'm like staying with her for the weekend. Not exactly. I mean, she was in like a separate house, so it wasn't exactly but um then she was so nice the whole weekend. I was like, Look, I am obsessed with you. Like I loved your talk show, I loved whatever. Return to me. And then the next, one of the first mornings, she, like, had gotten me coffee. Like, she was calling me from the kitchen, like, Danny, I got your coffee. And I was like, this is the best time know of her life. That's
0: the coolest yeah. story
1: the I've ever heard. I mean, She's honestly,
0: I, did you watch Only You? Oh, yeah, with, with growing Marissa up? Tomei and yes. Bonnie Hunt. Yes, yes. Okay, so I saw Bonnie Hunt's, like, the guy who plays Bonnie Hunt's husband, <gasps> at a bar in New York and I walked over to him and I was like, I'm so sorry. I have to do this to you. And he's like, what? And I go, Italy. What's my wife doing in Italy? Cause oh like, that's God. his big yes. line in it. Yes. And I was like, you have no, and he was like laughing. He's like, I haven't heard that in forever. And I, I was like, he probably just thinks I'm a weirdo, but I had to, I love that movie. That movie is and so cozy. Bonnie Hunt can do no wrong.
1: Yeah. Yeah. She is really due for like a Bonnie Hunt sense. Like she we is, really need to get some like going. what
0: we did to Keanu. Yeah,
1: exactly. Is, it's time. Yeah, I feel it. Um, wait, so... Speaking of these comfort movies, you're in a lot of these. We're going to talk about Candy Cane Lane, but you're in a lot of comfort movies, and specifically comfort Christmas movies. Like, was this purposeful because you were in the night before? Yes. Godmothered. Mm-hmm. Uh Office Christmas party.
0: And now, now Candy, Candy, Candy Cane, Cane
1: Lane. Lane. Like, what, were you always a fan of these movies?
0: I mean, listen, I love a holiday movie. One of my favorites is Mixed Nuts. Have you ever seen that movie? Oh,
1: is that Steve Martin? Yeah, yes. Yeah,
0: yes. I love that one. I love The Family Stone. I'm, you know, Love Actually. I, Home Alone. I like all of these, but I feel like it wasn't purposeful. It just kept Christmas just kept coming back to me. And I was like, I'm here for it. I love it. it. Uh, But I can't believe it's been four
1: Christmas movies now. And okay. So what was the first one? Was the first one was the night before. Okay. And that one still lives on quite a bit. And so does office Christmas party. I feel like those two two, keep popping up again. They're
0: kind of on rotation, which is very exciting for me. And, I mean, honestly, for me... Which one do you think is better?
1: Which one do I think is better? Yeah. Like, if someone hasn't seen either one, and you're like, watch this one. Oh, my gosh. That's so hard. Can I say, I think the night... I I love both of them, but I think the night before, I rewatch that every year.
0: I do love the night before. It has a special place for me, because I just... First of all, it's the first one, this first Christmas movie. And getting to be in something with Seth Rogen was so cool, and all of those guys were really lovely. So I just, I have good memories of that one specifically. I'm like, yeah, that was a good one.
1: Uh, did Was there smoking on the set with that one? Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. Okay. For sure. I had a meeting with Seth about something, and yeah. it was like over Zoom early in the pandemic, and I was uh, working on a project with an animated reboot for Disney with them, and... He was smoking on the other end of the Zoom, and it was, like, the best day of my life. I was, like, talking about Darkwing Duck with Seth Rogen on Zoom, and he was, like, smoking, oh, and I was, like, this gosh. is, the, he was giving me notes, and I was, like, this is the best day.
0: I mean, that's all you want to actually happen. You're, like, I hope, I
1: hope you do smoke weed around me, yeah. because
0: then it's the classic experience you're hoping for. <laughs> uh, yeah, and
1: I so badly want one of those pots that he makes. Like, Oh, the, I know, um, There's,
0: they're really cool. Yeah, yeah
1: um okay so tell everyone what candy cane lane is about this is the new eddie murphy movie people can watch on amazon it's on the front page of amazon if you go shopping like not even on their movie thing it's like if you just go to amazon really you and eddie murphy and tracy ellis ross
0: oh my gosh okay i have to look that up well it's basically about a family man who loses his job and wants to win uh a candy cane lane like home uh exterior decorating competition uh, because there's a big prize attached. And so he stops in a pop-up shop called Kringle's. And buys something and uh, he buys this 12 Days days of Christmas tree. And it basically um, makes a deal with an elf and uh, everything falls apart from there. And you're the elf. I'm the elf. Okay.
1: And the villain of the film, really? Yes.
0: My name's Pepper in it.
1: Okay. And when you describe this movie, it does sort of sound like when I was first getting into it, I was thinking, oh, we're doing like a Christmas in the Cranks thing. Sure, sure. Which I love. Sure. Of course. But then I put it on, and it is, and I mean this in the most complimentary of ways, it's the most batshit movie, because it's, it's all wild. over the place. <laughs> but it rem- what I loved so much about it was that it reminded me of, like, 90s movies. Yes. Like, it was kind of just tonally all over, weird, quirky, there were special effects, but then also this family decorating storyline. And-
0: yeah. And you also, like, drop into really heartfelt moments, or, you know, I always think about the beginning of uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, and how that movie really hits you hard. There's like very serious divorce scenes <laughs> right. in that film. And what you think of is like, dude looks like a lady and like her vacuuming. But it's really like there is heaviness at the beginning of that film. And I, when I was watching this, I was like, oh, wow, we're really sitting in the fact that this man just lost his job and it's Christmas time and this is hard. And, and then I was like, oh, this is the thing we did in the 90s we got real with it and then we went to wild places right
1: right and i keep complaining that like everything now feels so made by committee and so i love when a movie is just like kind of weird or like tonally uh, like different in places right speaking of mrs doubtfire just last night i was watching the lawrence brothers have a podcast and matthew lawrence was in mrs doubtfire and he had the his sister, the girl who played his sister, the young woman, yeah, was on the podcast, and they were talking. It was like the thirtieth. The Matilda one or the older one? The Matilda Mara. Okay, yeah. And they were talking about the movie, and I was like, "How did? It, how has it been thirty years since that came out?" Thirty
0: years—that's I mean, crazy.
1: And then, okay, not to bring this back around again, but Bonnie Hunt was also working on a Mrs. Doubtfire 2 writing it. And what? Before, yeah, before Robin. I don't know when oh exactly it happened, gosh. but yeah, she was like writing Mrs. Doubtfire too for Robin.
0: Did she She didn't write the first one, did she? No, no, oh.
1: no. I don't know if, and I don't know how far it got, but I do know that, like, it was, she was the one working on it.
0: Wait, her. is Bonnie, a, Bonnie's a big writer?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: What is Bonnie written? She wrote
1: Return to Me. She, she wrote yeah, yeah. Return to Me? Yes, yes. Oh, I feel like a fool that I didn't know that. And she's done, like, a bo- bunch of sitcoms that she wrote. Like, yeah. all of those sitcoms that only lasted a season that should have been much longer, she wrote them. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So, yes, I loved I loved the craziness. Tell me about Eddie Murphy. Were he, you an Eddie Murphy fan?
0: I mean, I feel like everyone yeah, is kind of, like, in some form. I, I, I was definitely, I grew up watching all of his films. Like, I remember going to
1: the theater to watch Nutty Professor. And this feels like that, too. It yes, feels like his
0: it does.
1: 90s movies in the best way.
0: It does. And I feel like the one thing I I guess I wasn't expecting with Eddie is, like, When I met him, he was very, like, shy, almost. And I think it's because, like, I mean, he spent his entire life being famous. So, I'm sure he's a little more reserved with, like, how much he's giving information to people. I've seen this with the bigger stars. Like, you know, they can't just be on all the time and they can't be like, oh, my wife said this. I don't know. It's like there's a level of, you know... A little bit of distance But once he gets on set And he's like Playful He was so lovely He couldn't stop Like We engaged the whole time Like he became warmer It was like It wasn't like He wasn't warm When I first met him I just was like So surprised By how shy he was And And then once we got on set I was like Oh this is Like this is the Eddie Murphy I know, I grew up with. And making him laugh was like the
1: coolest moment of my whole life. Do you like playing villainous roles? It seems like really fun. It is
0: so much fun because it's kind of the opposite of who I am. So getting to just be
1: deliciously evil is a blast. Jillian, I know I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass because, you know, I love you. But I I really, every time you end up in a movie like you're always my favorite part like you just are so good and it's so fun to just watch you just be amazing and like even going into it and being like, okay, you're the villain opposite Eddie Murphy. Like it's so easy to sort of get overshadowed by that, but then you Mm -hmm. always come in and you're just so good. Or I think of the 21 drum street movies where it's like, thank you. 22 jump street. Like you're just so funny. And you wouldn't think that opposite Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum, that somebody's going to come in and just like steal the spotlight. But then you do every single time.
0: That's very sweet. I tried to, you know, I feel like um, my agents, I can't believe I have, maintained agents because for so long I've been like oh I don't want to need to be the lead of this like I like it when it's like there's certain projects like Britney Runs a Marathon was very special for me but I I usually get sent the scripts and they're like here's the role you've played eight million times and I'm like yeah 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 can I play the weird male pimp in the office Christmas party? <laughs> like they sent me, I think it was like to play uh TJ Miller's assistant in that film. And I was like, was that Vanessa Bayer? I think so. I, Bay, yeah. Vanessa okay. did it. And she was so funny in it. And I was like, w- who's this Russian a 65-year-old pimp, can I play that? It was written for a man. And I'm like, can I do that one? And they were like, I guess, sure. And so that's always my goal is like, can I play the weird woman checking you in or a villain or uh, something that was written for a man? I'm always trying to think like a little, let's not go the the same route every time.
1: What was the hardest role you've had to fight for? Was there one that you really had to, or even fight to get made or fight? you know what what do you feel like was
0: I auditioned a lot of times for 22 Jump Street. I feel like there was a lot of processes. Like I I did the table read and I still didn't have the role. Oh. And and later on I feel like they were like no you had it but we just didn't tell you yet. But oh I was God. like I was because I didn't even know I was the villain when I went into that table read. I just thought I was like this rude woman that was just making so age jokes to Jonah. And then By the table read as I kept going, I was like, Oh, it's me. Am I am I the villain? Is it me? And so I I you know, after that table read, I really wanted it. But I had auditioned to play like the twins. Remember in Twenty Two Jump Street, there was like two twin guys that it was the Lucas brothers ended up playing it, but I, I auditioned with another woman, and we improvised playing that. Like, was I, it a
1: twi- Like, was it someone who looked like you? Or was it, it I don't think be- so. Okay. I don't think we
0: looked very much. I mean, we were both uh, white ladies, but sure. like, I, we didn't look alike. Um, <laughs> and I remember being like a little bit steamrolled during the, the audition.
1: Oh, by the other woman. Yes, yeah. but
0: I, I, it, look, you can't help it. You're like, you have one shot, so you're trying to go. So she was just talking the whole time. And then I was like. We also had a brother, but he died. And that's all I said in the audition. <laughs> and I guess that didn't weird them out enough to bring me back again. But
1: yeah. Who was the girl? Will you tell me? I don't remember. Okay,
0: okay. I, I, not like in a mean way. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, it was so long ago. Uh, yeah. She was very funny. I
1: just, yeah. Ugh, well, you're so funny in that movie. And I just recently watched, Um, is it Super Fun Night? Super Rough Night? Oh, Rough, rough night. night. Rough Night. Yes. Yes. yes, but there
0: is like a super, super fun, fun
1: Yeah, something else, Mom. a TV show
0: night out or something right
1: okay but rough night yes you, rough the night I was <laughs> with scarlett johansson and you're so fucking hilarious in that movie like thank you steal you. every moment of that too
0: thank you uh
1: and i just love it and then also you recently appeared in good burger too yes okay so i'm a 90s kid who loved good burger yeah like, i remember owning the orange vhs did oh you li- did you like it as a kid? Or you know young, what? Or-
0: I think we need to bring back the orange VHS, oh, please. I also had an orange VHS that was uh, for "Are You Afraid of the Dark."
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Y- you know that yeah, one? Yeah, of yes. course. And they did one for um, "Harriet the Spy."
0: Oh, fun!
1: Snow Day. Do you remember yeah, that one? Yeah, the weird one. Um, yeah.
0: So I hadn't seen Good Burger. I was like, Jillian. where did I miss that in my childhood? But I will say that I. Loved all that, so I was okay. very familiar. Like I loved Kenan and Kel as kids, and like as a kid, and but I I watched it as an adult, which is a totally different experience, yeah. but really fun.
1: Okay, because that's what I was just wondering. If you didn't watch it arriving on set or even reading that script, must have been like a class. A well, thought.
0: I knew I knew tonally kind of what okay. it would be, and then it was just making me laugh while I was reading it, and I was like, oh, it would be so much fun. And it was also one of those things too. Where it's like, do you want to come do this with Keenan and Kel? And it's, I think it was like four days total um, it, shooting in, uh, where were we? We were in New England. And I was like, yeah, I'm, uh, yes. Yeah. That sounds lovely. Of course. So I went and did that and it was so much fun. And and now they just released an article that says it's like the number one thing on Paramount plus that they've ever launched.
1: I watched it the first day. Yeah, I did. I was so excited and I thought it was so good. And it makes me really warms my heart that Keenan seems so nice. He's, the I don't know him, but he seems best. so lovely. The and best. I just love that he's embracing like his all that roots and in yeah. his relationship with Kel because I always thought Kel was so funny too. Oh. And there was like a period of time culturally where Kel wasn't really doing much or in kind of smaller projects. And it just makes me so happy that Keenan kind of helped. Not that he did it solely, but it, it feels like just embracing those roots and seeing Kel kind of have the spotlight again is exciting because I just always thought he was so talented.
0: I feel like he should keep, people should keep casting him in stuff. He's really talented. He knows, like, I was going to say he knows his lines, but weirdly (laughs) enough... (laughs) That is a thing. Like, that's not a thing always on sets. Like, he's like very good at being in character, like most being don't. very positive. Like, he's a positive person on set, which is also a little rare. Like, he's, he's a good human that does is very funny. I'm like, you should keep working.
1: Oh my God. Yeah. He's so good. Wait, I'm just remembering when I was a child, I was very jealous of Amanda Bynes because oh. in my local paper, when she joined all that, yeah, she, her and I are the same age. And I remember reading in my local Solon, in Ohio paper that like, uh, she was joining the cast and I was like, Oh my God, that's like my dream life. Like, how did she do that? So like, she was, she became the person I was like really jealous of it. Probably. Eleven or twelve, yeah. or whatever the age that was. She blew up. Who was your? Did you have a childhood jealous idol? <laughs> yes, Does that but, make sense? Yes,
0: it totally makes sense. But the thing is, I've or, I've always been about ninety five years old, so <laughs> I'm always jealous of someone that's like, like, I why are you seven you. years old and you're jealous of Madeline Kahn? <laughs> Like I literally was like an Eileen Brennan. Like I just was obsessed with Clue, and I I I was so jealous of like these women who played like they were character actresses. They're just so good at what they did, and they made wild choices, and it was always the right choice. Yeah, and so I and like honestly, to the second I could start watching Saturday Night
1: Live, I was obsessed. So like.
0: I was jealous of Sherry O'Terry. Sherry is like the funniest person. Sherry O'Terry. She's
1: another one that I think like culturally we've done her wrong. We have. It's not her fault. We have. She should be starring in big giant movies. She is
0: so funny. I've never met her. Have you met her?
1: I have, yeah. Yeah, she's so nice. Uh, We're like kind of friendly now online, but I met her once in person and I was like, I'm a I'm obsessed with you. Like, yeah. I remember watching SNL and, like, taping those sketches. Like, I did, too. And I was so obsessed with her, Anna Gaster, and Molly Take Like, the three of them, to the me, them. it was just, like, that was SNL. And I just, I, even as I was getting older, I, I'm sure I've told this story before, but I remember thinking, like, when those articles started came, coming out in, like, Vanity Fair 2007, and they were like, yeah. are women funny? And I remember just thinking, like, f- I only find women funny. Like, because that's who yeah. I was... That's who I watched. I loved Will Ferrell on the show and Tracy Morgan, too. But, like, those three women were everything to me. me. Anytime they were in too. a sketch.
0: Me, too. And then the next generation of that was, like, Maya Rudolph yeah. and Rachel Dratch Amy and Poehler, Kristen Wig and, and Amy Poehler and, and, and Tina Fey. And, I mean, it was just like, you what are, not, are we talking about? Are women funny? They were such the – they funniest, were my heroes. Right.
1: When were you at SNL? Because you were a writer on SNL. I was
0: there from 2009 to
1: 10. So who was in the cast then? So uh,
0: uh, Kristen was still in. Okay. So it was like Kristen and Bill Hader and the Lonely Island guys were still in. Wow. Um, It was... Yeah, it was. I was sad that I wasn't there when Michaela was there too. Michaela Watkins, because she's one of my good
1: friends and I love her. But she's so funny.
0: Wild experience.
1: I saw Michaela at Groundlings once. We both yeah. come from Groundlings, and she did a sketch where she had tape, like she was this woman with plastic surgeon <laughs> surgery, but because it was on stage, she like taped her eyes up and her face back or something, and it was just the funniest thing. I, I'll never forget. She's
0: that. she's another one that I'm like. She is big, but. I wish she was even bigger because she's such a good actor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You wonder, I mean, people like Sherry O'Terry or Michaela, it's like, why have we failed them? Like, why can't we get them the right script or something? I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm just putting it out there. Bonnie Hunt. Yeah. Sherry O'Terry.
0: Sherry O'Terry.
1: And Michaela Watkins. And Michaela Watkins all together. And Molly Shannon. And you. Everyone. Okay. Wait, who's, you've worked with all these people who are so incredibly funny who is the funniest person that you've worked with in any capacity? Oh my like, or gosh. who are some people that you hold up that you're like, that's the funniest person? I've never seen anything like that.
0: You know, I will say because I did, I did
1: goosebumps, which I was very, I was too excited about. Oh I just about. interviewed R. L. Stein recently, worked... yeah, right How before Halloween. It was, I mean, he's a legend. I was so excited about it. He's he came, 81 or something.
0: He came and did like a cameo in the movie, but I wasn't there at the day, and I. You would have thought, it was like me and one other kid were such big fans of Goosebumps, so oh. I was like losing my mind during that. But I will say, Jack Black is one of those people, we all went out for like a cast dinner, and even him, just the way he orders broccoli, and I think it's just him asking a genuine question of like, is the broccoli good? It, it made me laugh so hard, and I was like, oh, he's just got it. Like, he's right. just naturally very funny, so he's up there for me. I'm I trying love to that. think. I mean, so many people are funny. I've worked with so many funny people. But there's some people that just have that where they don't... It's not like a, oh, well, I'm going to turn it on or off. Like, it's just in them and he he stands out to me as one.
1: I love that. Um, okay, what are your holiday plans? So, holiday movie queen, Jillian Bell?
0: So, well, Danny is sitting in my house right now. We have a Christmas tree That's that we so just got funny. a real Christmas tree. And there's a fake one in the front. And then I have a little one that is real upstairs that is so small in my room. Okay. I love Christmas time. I love the holidays. So tonight, actually we are decorating the tree and I don't know if I've told you this before, but all of my ornaments are rats.
1: (laughs) (gasps) What? Wait, what? Tell me. They're
0: all different little felt rats, but they all have different professions. (laughs) So there's like,
1: wait, so where do you get these? And tell me more.
0: Okay. Well, one, there's a place called hide and seek. It's a little vintage shop on, it's like mini Ventura. So where like Jones on 3rd is in Studio City. There's a a place there that I get a lot of my rats, but people have started buying them for me. So, and I'm thrilled every time, but I have like yoga rat, poetry rat, um, skiing rat, like cook rat. There was one that had a mask on. So I think it's like pandemic rat. Like, so we're going to decorate the tree tonight.
1: Put all the rats up.
0: Put all the rats up. And then, how
1: did you wait? Okay, so how did you get into the rat thing?
0: Well, I think I found the first group of rats, which was (laughs) (laughs) there were four like variations of beatnik rats. So they were like, one was like, had little sunglasses on, and one had a poetry book, and one had a bongo. And I was like, what is this? And so it became the center of the tree. Then I started being like, I don't like any of the other ornaments now, <laughs> so I just started collecting so many rats, and now there is a box like uh, it, underneath the stairs in my house where it's, it just says "Don't open before like until after Thanksgiving rats."
1: <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I you know I'm um I've been trying to get this children's book off the ground that's like about cozy rodents, like a cozy <gasps> rat because. I have an intense fear of rats.
0: You do? Well,
1: I, okay. So I did, but I talked to my therapist about it and was like, she was saying you need to reframe rats, right? So I started to try to reframe it in my head and I thought this is like a good, this could be like a good children's book. Like it's a cozy rat to help me get over my rat fear. Wait. <laughs> so I'm like, kind this of. This is real? It's I love, real. Yeah, yeah. I
0: love you so I like had the biggest much. fear
1: of rats, like in rodents in general. Like I don't, yeah. I never liked. I don't know, rodents, like squirrels even, or like, they kind of all scared me. And so I'm slowly getting over my fear. And I mentioned this on the show. And so people started sending me like, just images of cozy rats in different things. Like, and what I've come to learn is that there are actually like a lot of children's books about rats and cozy rats kind of specifically.
0: Well, there's something very cute about like a mouse curled up by like a little fire or reading a little book so like i i understand it's a thing yeah
1: like a, i love like a little mouse with like a t yes you know like yeah. cozied up by the fire you're with getting into tea. it yeah now i'm into it so. wait i
0: think you should
1: write like a psychology book called <laughs> reframing the rat <laughs> well i did like so i'm trying to get this kid's book off the ground and like my book agent was like wait so do they have to be rats <laughs> I was like, well, kind of like that's sort of like the idea is yeah. that, you know, so oh, I am trying to make it work, but, um, it is funny to try to explain. I was like, no, I am scared of rats and that's why this is important. And then also they have to be like super cozy. Like it has uh, to be like so warm and cozy. Oh to, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I need to, I need to read you one thing really quickly. Please. I, I took a screenshot last night cause my mom, first of all, my mom was sending me rat gift wrapping <laughs> last night. And I was like, I love this, but it's $20 okay. a roll. So I'm not going to invest in that.
1: And Do you find this to be a problem now that you've told people that you like rats? Yes. Now people probably think that's what they're always going to get you. Has well, that become a problem. yet?
0: I've gone down that before. Like that, this, this has happened to me, but I find with the rats, I'm always pleased. <laughs> I'm always okay. pleased when someone gets it for me. So my mom out of being like, oh, something you like. Here's something. She sent me, and I'll show Danny the picture a sleepy Christmas mouse that you can just put on top of your garland. And I you looked at it. could probably put
1: him on the tree.
0: I said, I said, it looks like a dead mouse. Wait, and then, can you read what she wrote below? Wait, I said, it looks like a dead mouse.
1: It, it looks like a dead and rat. What it,
0: and what did my mom write back?
1: Come. Um, it says tap. <laughs> <laughs> your mom says it says taxidermy. Does that mean was once alive?
0: Yes, it does, Tansy. Mom- it does mean that you were about to send your me your mom was
1: about to get you a rat corpse. <laughs> yes. As a decoration. Like a rat carcass as decorative garland, Jane. That is wild.
0: <laughs> the, the ghost and- of Christmas rat. Was Wait, about to visit is, me.
1: Who is selling that? Was that on Etsy? It's on Etsy. What? <laughs> Why is someone doing that? Are you able to get taxidermy on Etsy? I, it okay. must be. Okay. It must be a thing. I mean, that can't be the only but one. who is buying taxidermy on Etsy? Well. I'm sorry. As we're talking, I have to just look this yeah, up. Yeah, just Ta- look it up. Taxidermy, Etsy. I'll go quick here.
0: But how funny that my mom was was tricked into almost buying Wait, a Jillian, dead rat.
1: This I'm seeing one on Etsy right now. This tax. Oh my, Okay, this is fucked up. This is a thing? Wait, this is a thing. Look at this. A taxidermied rat playing the guitar. (laughs) What is going on?
0: Wait, and also it's fifty-nine fifty (laughs) nine. They could not commit to
1: sixty. What is happening? There's a bunch. That was just the first one. That was the first one. (laughs) He has a tooth exposed. (laughs) Oh my god, this is actually kind of chilling. There's a stripper one.
0: Wait, have you also seen there's a there's a trend on Instagram where they've been showing people? That are $112
1: for this rock star tax
0: rat. (laughs) Wait, I actually want the rock star. What is happening? Uh, Also, the prices are so funny (laughs) $112.13. What's happening?
1: They must be, people must be buying these. But who do you, I mean, it might be you in the future, but I was just going to say, who has like a Christmas village of just tax rats?
0: Danny, if you come over here next year and I have (laughs) these. Dead rep everywhere?
1: One of those Christmas villages. You have to tell me I've gone
0: too far. Yeah, they're around the Christmas village. Like just this taxidermy. But I like that they're all
1: rock stars in their second life. There's a Beetlejuice one. There's a birthday one. Wait, there's a
0: Beetlejuice? Can I see the Beetlejuice one? Yeah, please,
1: just scroll. Look at all these. (laughs) A Beetlejuice one. (laughs) I didn't know this was a thing. (laughs) Like, what is going on? Wait, (laughs) She's looking at the Beetlejuice one. We're going to need everyone I, to Google wait, this. Wait, I need
0: it. Can I screenshot this? Please. Okay. So you're going to send that to yeah, me later I'll when I give you... Because I have to give you my phone okay, number. I can't believe is, we don't have each
1: other's phone numbers. This is crazy. Can I talk to you for okay, yeah. two
0: seconds about Real Housewives?
1: Yes, please. Because I, I, yes. Okay.
0: I didn't used to watch Real Housewives. A few years ago, my sister was like, just watch this one scene. And then I fell into it. Okay. So Beverly Hills and Salt Lake City are the only ones I watch. Okay. I used to watch New York but I like the old cast. I like Dorinda and all of them. Yeah, me too. So I, I don't really watch the new one. But the rumors... The rumors and the next... My husband's... Um, I, that and name them, name them. And I heard you doing it the other day on your podcast oh and I gosh. was just going, name them. Like, name I, them, name them, name, name them. them. And I know. so
1: I, it's such an easy, don't you find it so weird with housewives? It's like the things that become a catchphrase, you just can't even really predict it. The homeless,
0: it or, toothless thing was one of my favorites.
1: So what are you thinking of the season right now? And I, where I'm do you, loving it. Where do you stand on Kyle and Morgan of it all? Do you think it's
0: Kyle? Okay. I feel like Kyle Kyle Richards we're talking about Kyle Richards. I'm like feeling her new energy. Like I know everyone's mad that she's not drinking anymore and I'm like what's yeah. happening? Mm-hmm. Like she feels like she's evolving. Yeah. And doing great. I feel great about her. Wait. Who is Morgan? Morgan's now, the just...
1: honky-tonk lesbian that she got. Did you see this last week's episode? No, You're busy. You didn't see this. Last I didn't week. see. Okay, you didn't but see I this did
0: see, see, this... see Salt Lake City last night. Okay. And I will say that Monica, I think Monica's my favorite.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. She's good. Wait, but what do you think of Monica and the mom?
0: Oh, Monica and the mom. That's crazy. Her walking home in the Burberry uh, pajama suit.
1: <laughs> the scarf. with Her I think scarf. there was a tag on it. And also, Jillian, like, how she did she get home? did the no, I don't think she committed to it. I think I saw a tag. I mean, I might be making that up. Sometimes things come in yeah, my brain, yeah, sure. or I don't know where I Sure. Go. But I do think there was a tag on, like, the scarf.
0: I think the mom is wild. Yeah. I think that the mom at Easter, I, at Greek Easter, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe she's the sane one. And then that dinner where she talked to the plant... <laughs> I
1: was like, didn't she try to eat guacamole as dessert or something.
0: She, she was like, are you not going to eat your guacamole after saying something very bold, I feel. And then she was eating her enchiladas or something. And it was like, her daughter is truly the one that's going through it because she's not even eating. Like that is the, that is the proof by the way, whoever eats first, you're not having a harder time.
1: Oh, interesting. That's what I sense. Yeah. That totally makes sense. I mean,
0: think about it. If you're going to be dramatic,
1: you're not going to eat. I do think there's so much more to the mom and the daughter. I've heard like rumblings. I think we're like barely scratching yes, the surface.
0: Yes, I know. We don't know anything.
1: Like, there's crazy the shit. The fact
0: there. that the grandmother pulled up, her mother pulled up, the grandmother to those children, and she was like, lock the door.
1: Like, what is going on there?
0: I need to know more. Yeah. But I do think it's like having one of my friends dip into the real housewives because Monica feels like the one that's like, you're mad that you lost your $65,000 ring? Like, she feels like, like the one that's surrogate. like... Yes. Yeah. So I I like her.
1: Who... If you were playing one of these women as a character, like, who would you most be excited to play? Oh, god. It could be any housewife. It doesn't have to be.
0: I would say probably um, Dorit. My sister does a really good Dorit impression, so I don't have it, but my love. <laughs> just everything, you know, just... And... PK and it just, I, I love all of it. So, and I'm just like, what is her accent? It's just hanging around with her husband. That's the accent.
1: So, did you go back and watch old ones? Or? I've seen.
0: I've probably seen like the last three or four seasons.
1: Okay, so a so pretty substantial. Yes,
0: I've been in when like Denise Richards was still on, and that was a wild season.
1: Okay, wait, Jillian, you have to watch this past week's episode because Denise Richards is like so on. So, something's going on with Denise Richards. Well, like everything her, is slurred.
0: I saw her coming to. To the premiere, so I did see that. That was the week before, that was week right? Before,
1: so, so this most recent week, she shows up. Kyle Richards has a dinner party, and we only see sort of the beginnings of the dinner party. I get it's going to continue into next week, okay? But Denise like saunters in. She uh, dr- uh, directly addresses the camera multiple times, <laughs> like multiple times. She looks in the camera like Jim from the office, like the
0: office, and yeah. just
1: like totally addresses it. There's one time she does it where she clearly does it to the camera in front of her and they had to cut to another camera. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny to me. Like, she must have just kept doing it. Uh, and then in the scenes for next week, she's talking to Erica and, like, she's not making any sense. Like, she's just, she's you know what I'm talking about. You know, she's slurring everything. And it's the most wild thing. And Denise has always been a firecracker on the show. Yes. or like, a little off. yes. But she's especially off now. Like, there's something going on that it, we're all it? just sort of watching but no one's knows
0: was Lisa said oh you're angry Oof. oh you're mad oh yeah <laughs> that that whole thing i was like oh i would have lost it if someone looked at me and said that so are you are happy then
1: you dived into housewife yes okay
0: i feel like it makes me very happy to catch up on my stories
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you'll love this most recent week of beverly hills yeah and have you decide have you thought about even dipping your toe into the well of some of the other ones <sighs>
0: I've thought about it, but honestly, I am consumed by both, yeah, and I feel like I have limited time to view them. So I've, I'm like, I, but I feel very confident about the ones that I chose. But Jillian,
1: you'll find the time. That's one you'll thing. Of, a- that's one thing about the audience of Real Housewives. Yeah. Like, you find the time. What is like,
0: your favorite one?
1: It used to be New York, okay. old New York. Yes, and, I loved old New yeah, York. Yeah, old New York to me, like watching those women were nuts, Ugh. but it was so funny.
0: The Countess
1: and I feel like that was the fun- like comedically that's the funniest one or yes. it was and I actually think Salt Lake has kind of taken on that mantle of I think yeah. it has because it's weird and the characters are weird and it feels like a parody of Housewives and it's like
0: can we talk about Alice in Wonderland the um, yeah. the Mary's house yeah
1: <laughs> what's going on there what do you think of the chairs
0: it is like it is like I I don't know it's sort of like Z Gallery had an explosive designer that took it
1: like a, three steps too far. <laughs> yeah, the Sherman Oaks Mall, which we're yes. near right now, they are closing the Z Gallery. Yeah. And so the whole store sort of looks like a mess. And it very much looks like, and now that you're saying it, it looks like Mary Cosby's house. Because it's got the Z Gallery decor, but it's like a mess. Yes. And then there's all these signs, like yellow signs that say, like, going out of business or whatever. And I just feel like Mary would have those in her house. She doesn't, but I... It yes. feels like it does.
0: I mean, the choices are wild. Yeah.
1: You know, I started to come around um, Mary in that scene last week with Monica at her house. Yeah. I was like, Mary seems so calm, cool, and collected. I know. What is that? Like, that was weird to me.
0: Yeah. It's almost like, well, that's the that's a rare
1: moment for Mary,
0: because okay. the rest of the time...
1: It's so it's, funny. It's batshit. She just said in an interview that they were like trying to push her out of filming. She wanted to film more I'm and they not, were like and She then, doesn't
0: participate in the activities. I know,
1: and then she said then then they decided they like wanted to film more with her. So like a lot of the scenes they filmed more recently with Mary but yeah, I kind of feel like, well, they probably, the producers probably thought, oh, Mary, you clearly don't want to be here. like Because she leaves to get a fish fillet. Right, right. Or sit on the bus. Like, yeah. there, wasn't there one trip where she just sat on the Sprinter van? It's like, well, they probably weren't calling you because they were like, every time we try to film with her, she's sitting on the Sprinter van.
0: Do you think that Mary is bummed by the lack of footage of her sitting in the Sprinter van, just oh, talking yes. to herself? Yes. Because there's got to be hours yeah. Yeah. of that footage.
1: Yeah for sure there was on um, uh, Beverly Hills housewives uh, Camille and Denise were driving together to the party mm-hmm. and there has I need to see like that footage of them driving together because they're bo- it's just chaotic <laughs> like I just need I can't to, wait know. to watch this episode oh, you'll love it you'll love it okay. Um, okay I know I need to wrap this up don't. You know, any other um, housewives thoughts I you know, otherwise I would keep you here forever I
0: actually have to say this what do you call Erica bamboo bamboozle Jane
1: I'm liking her this season, which I, lo- I wasn't expecting.
0: I love her this season. And I am really excited, even though she did throw Sutton under the bus with the elevator, the elevator. I will say that, like, seeing the side of her talking to her therapist, being like, how do I get empathy? Like, I was feeling for her. <laughs> I was like, girl, I know there are moments where you go, how do I get it? But I, I really appreciate how hard she's trying to keep the peace.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. She's uh, doing it for Lent. Yeah. Uh, I just got a very angry message. I think it was yesterday because I was saying I'm liking Erica this season. And somebody sent me like this two, it was like a two page DM, like a very long thing. Like, how dare you? And I was like, you know what? On these shows, one of the things everybody has to realize is that you're loving them and hating them every second. Like, it changes.
0: And they they flip flop all the time. They're not, they're never consistently bad or consistently good.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't, just because I'm liking her this season doesn't mean I don't think she, is villainous in other ways, but we'll see right now. She's not, I'm loving her. Yeah. So, um, okay, wait, Jillian, I want to throw out a couple Christmas movies. Okay. I was going to play a little game and I just want you to like throw, throw some, your thoughts. Okay. These are classic Christmas films. So home alone.
0: Love it. Watch it every year. Great score.
1: Incredible score. Incredible Incredible score. score.
0: And I also think like rich, that movie looks rich villains. The movie looks rich. You feel safe watching it.
1: You know what I have this fantasy of? Hmm. I might have to cut this. But um, in Home Alone 1, John Candy, the character is hilarious. One of the funniest people ever. But in the scene when he's with Catherine O'Hara, he's telling the story about how he and his wife left... Their kid at a funeral home. Do you mm-hmm. remember this moment? Yeah. And supposedly he improvised this, but I really want there to be a prequel movie. And I know John Candy has passed, but maybe if we could get the state or somebody on board. But it's called Funeral Home Alone, and it's about the son <gasps> getting left at a funeral home over the holiday season. That
0: is wouldn't amazing. that be so funny? That would be so
1: funny. Also, I miss John Candy so much. She's brilliant. He's the best. Just watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and it's like I talk about incredible. that movie
0: once a month because so i i talk about the balance of comedy and heart in that film all the time.
1: It sneaks up on you at the end. That ending. Yeah. Every time. And
0: when he says and when he says to Steve Martin, I like me. I break every time. I cry.
1: There's also at the end that like montage where Steve Martin is like realizing that yep. John Candy's homeless and it's Did you know that that wasn't even supposed to be about that? They just had so much footage. And so, that was just shot as, like, B-roll of Steve Martin on the train by himself. Mm -hmm. And it was, like, in between shots, they said he was, like, sort of just looking more serious. Like, looking around kind of more serious. But they had this footage. And so, I guess, like, the original ending wasn't playing right. Or it was either – I forget if it was either too overdone or not uh, emotional enough. And so, they found this footage. And then they had him, like, realizing that John Candy's character was homeless And so they re-edited it. And it's like incredible because it's such a moving moment too. It's the best
0: moment because you're realizing it with him. Like you get to experience that with him. Jingle all the way. I've never seen it. Jillian. What's wrong with me? You have
1: to see it. It's crazy. I feel like you'd like it just from... A crazy level. Well,
0: I need recommendations for holiday movies because I watch the same few watch every Jingle year. Jingle All the Way. Okay. and
1: wha- I mean, these are bad movies, but like as no, long as you fun. go into it knowing it's bad. Yeah. Uh, and Christmas with the Cranks, I think it's the same. Have you seen that one? No. Okay. that Those two, Like, I would suggest a double feature. Great. Just like while you're hanging up the Arnold rats. Arnold
0: Schwarzenegger's Jingle All the Way. Yes. And then Jamie Lee Curtis.
1: Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis, who's really doing Diane Keaton in Christmas with the Craigs. Oh. Like she's do I think they probably want a Diane Keaton. And I love Jamie Lee. Love her. But she's very much doing that like Diane Keaton, like,
0: ooh, Oh, ooh. oh. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, like a
1: lot yeah. of that. And it doesn't work as well on Jamie Lee, but she does chase a ham through a grocery store and it's like <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I love it. okay, great. Um, okay, uh, Grinch, any version.
0: Ooh. I will. I will pick um, Jim Carrey's version. Um, I would do you ever do
1: something like that where it's like ten hours in makeup. It's rough. What's the longest you've done in makeup?
0: Um, probably. To, uh, I will say with Britney runs a marathon. I had to do prosthetics most of the mornings because we would shoot, you know, out of order, and um, I, it was hard. Yeah, it's really hard getting in all of that, and you just want to rip it all off, and you freaking can it's it's a lot so i don't know yeah. maybe it would have to be like one of the best things i've ever read right because it's a commitment right. and it really messes up your face too like yeah, jim carrey had terrible acne for a while yeah. after that but i will say the movie i think is really would you have done
1: it for the grinch if they came to you and they're like we're gonna remake jim's grinch and, and i have to do, have do it to right do now the same kind of if i was younger probably yes i don't know yeah. maybe still now i would never do it no No no. Would it seems you, awful you, Like I would claustrophobic? Do, like, yeah I'm claustrophobic And yeah I would just worry about I don't know all of it I just want to I, I don't have the patience for it I would get too yeah. anxious Yeah I think sitting in that chair I would do like the Jennifer Lawrence thing When she did the X-Men The yeah. more recent x Men's, Where she's like I'll be in there for 10 minutes <laughs> Put me in a bodysuit I'll do like one ear Yeah <laughs> Yeah <laughs> you've got, one ear, you've got folks. one ear figure it out and then cgi the rest i do like
0: watching the grinch when
1: it's on though uh okay elf oh wonderful classic it's so film.
0: it's so classic and it's really it's so cool to have been like i mean i was alive for all these other ones when they came out but like to be like oh i was around for this yeah, one yeah. this one came out in my time right and it's such a classic and um he's so yeah like you just root for him so
1: much and
0: I, love I saw when that they one sing in theaters. Each other. I remember
1: going to the theater to see Elf, oh, which yeah. is like, yeah, that's wild. But it's and now they merchandise the shit out of Elf. Which I, I was going to say,
0: I feel like it became everywhere for so uh, like more recently, and and so I stopped watching it as much. But it is one when it's on, I go, oh, this one is so good.
1: Right. Uh, okay. Favorite Christmas movie of all time? Oh
0: my god, I might pick Home Alone because yeah. I will say. Even though I always reference the Family Stone, I love the freaking Family Stone. I love Mixed Nuts. It's such a weird one. But I will say that if I go a Christmas
1: without watching
0: Home Alone, it's like not a real
1: Christmas. Yeah. Um and Home Alone too. T- I mean, oh yeah, Home Alone okay. too.
0: That's what I dressed as for Halloween. Oh yeah. Oh my
1: God, I saw that. It was so good, Jillian. It was so my good. boyfriend has yes. bleached
0: blonde hair, and so we were like, "What can we dress you as?" And then I was like, "You could be Macaulay Culkin, and I could be the homeless the bird, bird lady. lady." Oh I love it. And we bought the turtle Brenda doves too to give to each other. <laughs> amazing, amazing.
1: Um, okay, I'm letting you go. Last couple of questions. Splash reboot is that still happening? I know you. Yes, were like, it is still happening. Yes, <gasps> with Channing Tatum. So.
0: Yes, I will say that I feel like I can say that the script is getting closer and I'm really excited about what the script is. And Channing will be the merman. I hope so. Yeah, I think so. Can I just come to set one day? Yeah, please. You truly can just to like
1: see Channing as a merman. I don't know where we'll be filming, but you have to fly in if if we're not. I will in LA. do it. I will do it. Great. Um, okay, and then wait, speaking of chanting, will there be more 22, 23 jumps? I feel like there I, should be more of that. I
0: feel like I heard about a version of that, and then it went away. So I have no idea.
1: What's next for you? What do you want to do next? What are your dream? What are some dream projects? I know you have a movie called Reunion coming out. Yes, Reunion right? is
0: coming out next year. Um, the beginning of next year. Uh, dream is to to be directing and to be directing things that I'm writing as well. Like there's a couple of projects in the mix and I'm, God, I'm keeping my fingers crossed because it would really be that, that would
1: make my whole life. Would you want to be in them that you direct?
0: One I would not be in and one I would be in, but I'd be like the third lead. So I feel like it's a little more doable.
1: Oh, we have to see that. Yeah. Um, Well, Jillian, thank you so much for taking the time. Jillian is in the new movie Candy Cane Lane, which you can watch now on Amazon. It's a great family. It's like an all ages kind of thing. Yeah. All ages
0: can watch it and it's got everything for you. It's got comedy, it's got a little bit of heart, it's got. It's action-packed. There's a little horror in it, too. Like, yeah, jump scares. Yeah. I read a
1: review on it that was like, though, this could have also just been a horror. Like, we, yeah. could, have tr- we could have edited this probably into a horror film. Totally. There's there a version of the trailer
0: that could just be horror. You know, those ones that, like, like The Shining is like a lovely family story. It sort of reminded
1: me of the original Jumanji. Yes. Doesn't that's it? what I
0: always reference. Okay, yeah. yeah. It felt like that. Like things coming to life, and the kids are actually a little bit in danger. Like, yeah,
1: like, it's action-y. Yeah. And yeah. I also appreciate that Tracy Ellis got to be Tracy Ellis Ross got to be funny at moments, too, because sometimes the wife role
0: I know just, the wife rolls usually like not involved and and she's honestly like the more successful of the two in the film, too. I love that. Yeah. I think there's really great family moments between them and like a real relationship between her and Eddie. So it's it's i it
1: also looks rich, too, which I a lot know. of these Christmas movies look cheap. I but know. there must have been a budget. It was a very okay. healthy budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell there's a budget. Yeah. All right, Jillian, I love you. Thank you so much. I and everyone you. go see Candy Cane Lane or go watch it at home with your friends while you're hanging up your rat ornaments. <laughs> <laughs>